episode of the MinMax Show. I'm Ben Hanson, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hi. Kyle Hilliard. Hi. And Emily Reese. Hello. Welcome, Emily. Why, thank you. Uh, let's see. Emily Reese, if you're a huge fan of Game Informer, I'm talking like deep cut fan. Back in 2011 or early 2012, yeah, something we like made that. like a video all about your show that you had for NPR at the time, Minnesota mm-hmm. Public Radio, called mm-hmm. Top Score. Yep. And I filmed you playing Skyrim. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were going to interview somebody who has since been canceled, I believe, in culture, but yeah. then ended up being about like the soundtrack to Dragon Age. Is that what yeah. it was? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, that's funny. I can't actually recall exactly which interview you were ab- there observing. That's so funny. <laughs> was it Enon Zur? He was Enon Zur. Yep, okay. it was. Yeah, All that's right. right. Well, there you go. There what we a go. Dragon Age. I love that guy. But you're the world's foremost expert, I will just declare you, on video game music. Specifically I orchestral video game music. Strongly disagree. <laughs> but uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. But I, I, uh, I appreciate that I feel honored. Even though you're really wrong. Okay. <laughs> Who do you think is the is the, is the yeah, expert the on video game answer? music? Who's the, what's that? Who's who's the correct answer? Probably any of my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, uh, uh, you know, I I didn't game growing up. I've really made very little effort to make up for that fact. Uh-huh. So I, there's still just this giant hole in my knowledge. And uh, while there's a lot that I appreciate, and and I, I will tell you that. Surely, when it comes to orchestral video game music, I know a thing or two. There but we go. I'm just, so, yeah. you are classically trained, as some say, and then you found this niche that you've really blossomed in with mm-hmm. Top Score as a podcast and also on NPR, and now with yep. Level, which is your Patreon, and also a video game music podcast where you interview 1,000 composers. <laughs> yes. Also, the, my favorite part about Level is uh, two favorite parts that I was really kind of restricted in in my previous employment that I'm no longer restricted in is at um, level, we can really focus on whatever genre we want. We don't have to stick with a classical orientation. We can have rock scores and, you know, whatever, whatever we want, 8-bit, whatever. Um, And we like to, as often as possible, have on other people from the audio industry, just, you know, anyone who makes a sound in a game, whether it's a voice actor or a sound designer, an audio director, um, you know, we, we kind of like to open it up to just audio in games because the audio is, as we all know, it's the other half of the game. <laughs> right. It's the part that people don't think about enough. And it's yeah. really, it's exciting to hear you interview all these composers because from what I've listened to so far, like everyone is just so excited to talk. I feel yeah. like so many times, I'm sure it's also editing on your part, but so many times it's just you going, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, totally. Because they just, like, monologue for an hour, but it's always yeah. interesting. Like, I listened to your interview with Kenny Young about, <laughs> he had, like, an hour-long interview all about the soundtrack to Astrobot, which is one of my favorite soundtracks from last year. It just yeah. is so good, and it's so satisfying yeah. to hear him to be like, oh, my God, somebody wants to actually hear this? I have so much to say. <laughs> yeah, and they always do have so much to say, and that's the best part. Well, they almost always. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the very, um, Bill Elm, who did the uh, very first Red Dead Redemption soundtrack, I don't think he'd ever been interviewed in his entire life and so that was a funny interview because he was just I was like did you have a good time and he's like yep <laughs> I'm like okay like, <laughs> were know, there was, instruments yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just imagine like a, a PR representative from Rockstar recreating the, actually the cover image for the first Red Dead and just having the shotgun <laughs> yeah. at his hand <laughs> the entire time anyway yeah yeah uh, but, but you're here 
for mm-hmm. several reasons. It's really a one-two punch. Okay. First of all, in this episode of the Max Show, we're going to talk about our favorite game tracks from 2019. Love I, I saw some people, including Felix from the community, be like, when are you going to do that episode? We're doing it right now. And so we've all picked three to four tracks that really stood out to us this year, and we'll play them, and I'll think really hard about them and have really smart things to say about <laughs> them. Not, not yes. along with the music. Um, I sure do like it. Yep. Uh, But we're also here to talk about last week's reveal of Half-Life Alex, Mm -hmm. the new VR Half-Life game, which Kyle's very excited about. Cyril, I assume you're excited about. Yeah, I really want to play a new Half-Life. Great. And Mm -hmm. Emily Reese, what do you know about that? (laughs) Uh, We've been working behind the scenes with the audio (gasps) team, just uh, a little like how to make audio for Half-Life Alex. (laughs) So So you visited Valve. We did. To see the game, learn about the game. Yep, yep, about a year and a half ago. A year and a half! Yeah. So you had to sit on yeah. knowing that a new Half-Life exists for a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, it was we knew the rumors. favorite secret ever. <laughs> Did you oh see like, a lot of rumors on the ever. internet and you're oh. like, oh, you idiots. Oh, so many. And my favorite part, though, was that, um, you know, I'm, I've been, or I've just had a lot of different jobs in my life. I've worked in radio for for most of it but I, i've got friends from all over and many of them are not gamers and so you know none of them cared anyway i mean they care but yeah uh, the friends that i they didn't do realize have, the, the height of yeah, yeah, the, yeah the handful of like really tight homies that i have that are gamers none of them guessed it was valve like they oh, wow. they're all like oh it's got to be bethesda it's some kind of skyrim like thing, thing. Or, yeah yeah okay. so i could say you know i just couldn't say what it was and nobody guessed that and because nobody awesome. would have ever in a million years guessed that we'd be doing something like that with valve on that project i mean it's just like it's been really cool really and so amazing. it's going to be a series of podcast about the sound design and it's gonna be mm-hmm. on your level podcast yep it'll be on level with emily reese and i mean we're gonna just have so many uh just opportunities to share audio we've done so much just background with each person because each person on the team is just has an incredible story and they're incredibly talented and uh have a lot to say about the property itself and working at valve which is a unique experience and uh, so there's just going to be a, a lot to share so long as they let us, I guess. <laughs> How did it happen? Who reached out to who? Uh, it's been a, a bit now that I reached out to the composer, Mike Moraski, and just told him how much I loved his Portal 2 music. Of course. And so he, uh, he was like, well, I like what you do, and so maybe we should do something sometime. And I'm like... Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, saying, you're saying I should have emailed someone at Valve a, a yes. year and a half ago and been like, hey, yes. I really like your games. Hey, and Eric, yes. I think you're yeah. funny. Yeah, I thought you, you were a journalist, dude. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what you should have done. Yeah. We all gave up on Half-Life like six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, as you know, at Valve, I mean, seriously, if you can find a way to convince someone that you belong there, you can work there. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's just a, it's such an interesting... Um, place really what, what yeah what did you learn walking through those doors i mean you you hear the the legends which some people say is a little bit uh, exaggerated about like oh level working place like anybody can move around it's pretty desks on wheels that kind yeah of thing. it's mm-hmm. just mario kart on desks all day <laughs> um i mean i i i would just say that it it is what you've read about in in most ways you know people really can kind of move in and out of projects as they please and I think there is, as exists in any workplace, um, 
I, I, don't, I just don't want to. I don't want to be the, the person who speculates on that kind of stuff. Right. I just know that there's the, internal politics and yeah, stuff that filters in. Yeah, it's not in, of for course. everyone. Yeah. I we had a great t- time. I mean, everyone was awesome, and ev- everyone that we're working with, uh, they've really got a great thing going on. That audio team, they work really well together, and they make amazing things and come up with amazing ideas, and they invent. Yeah. Can I cuss? I'm sorry. No, you can't, but that's fine. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's what we have bleeps for. Yes, good. It's I funny because will... <laughs> you give him more work to do. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's just I, I usually don't get to cuss in the first place when I'm on a microphone. So. Sure. <laughs> uh, so in any event, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Yeah. Yeah. So how much time did you spend there? Uh, we were there for like two full days. Okay. So okay. Four, four days with travel. So, yeah. But um, just two days at Valve. And so it's still a little ambiguous when you're going to be releasing the bulk of the content about Half-Life, Alex? Yeah, we'll probably wait, I'm sure, until either right before or after sure. the game comes out. Have you played Half-Life, Alex? Uh, small, yes. That's Will they send you a, little, a Valve Index at some point? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we, we're not, we, I know you probably can't say too much, uh, but in general, how are you feeling about what you played? Uh, pardon. Okay, hang on. She's consulting her lawyer. Let's on the end of the I'm, game I'm and, so and look at her eyes. This water's <laughs> telling me what I can't say. <laughs> Are you red hot, uh, fascinated, yeah. curious? Where, what's, what's the level? Well, I'm split into three. No, I'm mm-hmm. kidding. Um, I, I just, I loved it. It's all, I mean, I just thought it was cool. And seriously, the five minutes of it that, I, I mean, it was, this was a year and a half ago. So mm-hmm. it's right. probably not even in the game anymore. Uh, it, it, it was just cool though. You That's know, awesome. It was, yeah. it was great. Yeah. I mean, they know their VR. That's for They've sure. They've been tinkering for a while with that stuff, yes. right? So, okay. Um, and the audio part of the, this is so important too. Just, I mean, in terms of, uh, the, the headset on the index is a huge deal that was, um, invented by Emily Ridgway, who, um, is a sound designer at Valve. Usually working on Counter Strike, she came from Bioshock. You guys are Bioshock mm-hmm, fans. Mm-hmm. I love Bioshock. <laughs> yeah, no, Bioshock. Of course. <laughs> she did, and Destroy All Humans. Destroy All Humans huh. was her first game that okay. she did, and uh, the first sound effect she ever made for anything she made for Destroy All Humans. Oh, fun. So yeah, uh, so she's brilliant, and uh, she's the one who designed this really incredible headset that hangs off the index. Uh, that solves all these problems that come up when we cover our ears to listen to sound. There's a lot of simulation that has to happen in terms of creating the audio to... So well, she solved that problem. Well, I listened genius. to your podcast about it because you released one yeah. kind of like a, a, a preamble to the Half-Life Alex stuff. Yeah. And it was interesting because it's like, oh, because with so many headsets, it's sealing off like this is the right ear, this is the left ear. Yeah. And the idea of like... Separating it out a little bit turns out it makes mm. it so much more realistic because it turns out sounds yeah. that you hear from the right side of your body, some of those sounds are still going to come into your left ear. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. trying to make it more like the real world. I guess it really clicked for making yeah. it more immersive. It, it also yeah. helps with the – I messed around with the valve index a little bit. And it, it also makes it easier to solve the, the problem of like you having total immersion in like to, to the uh, exclusion of everything else around you. It makes it easier. So if someone is like, hey, I need your attention while you're playing the game yeah. without mm-hmm. interrupting like – with without making it feel like the audio is like any less immersive than it than it usually is in VR. Yeah. It's super exciting. Uh yeah. Kyle, you're a big Half-Life fan. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh we posted on the YouTube channel like our raw reactions, which I'm glad that'll be forever just a time capsule of us <laughs> yeah. reacting to the Half-Life. I mean, Alex 10 years reveal. 10 years from now we can have a let's take a look at that at your reactions to this. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um what should we know so it's a prequel? 
What should we know about the world of Half-Life at this point? I think people have a rough oh. idea, even if they're not big Half-Life fans. Like, okay, there's head crabs, some sort of yeah. interdimensional nonsense. But, like, what is happening in this era of the Half-Life world? So it seems like... Okay, I, so you're looking for like almost like the lore, like where I think it places, right? Because there's right. Half Life One, and then there's a big gap between Half Life Two or Gordon. How big of a gap? I want to say like 15 or I, I don't several years. Me. Yeah, it's okay. a lot. And, sure. and Gordon's just been gone. Like yeah. he just disappears. And in that time, from the trailer, it looks like City 17, which is like the main place where Half Life Two takes place, is like halfway being built. Like it's in the process of being erected. Like, oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, okay. like the aliens have haven't been there too long like they have they're definitely there and they've definitely taken over but they're still building up their infrastructure is is my estimate from watching the trailer over okay. and over and over and over and over <laughs> right <laughs> okay so i have a very naive question i've played half of half-life one i've started yeah. half-life two Quarter so life. yeah that's right <laughs> yeah. uh so aliens come from the other dimension opened at the beginning of half-life one how does that yeah. lead to this police state in City 17. It's complicated. I mean, like, so uh, Black Mesa basically accidentally opened a portal, and that's... Well, you did. Yeah, yeah, you literally <laughs> do in the beginning of the game. And then, like, it's tricky because I think the Combine are almost like a separate... Like, they're basically alerted to the existence of Earth. And I think they they kind of come in and they sort of like take it over. Like it's it's Half Life is ba- Half Life Two in particular is basically an alien invasion story. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then like there are elements of teleportation and like travel. And I was even telling you, there's like a little bit of time travel even mm-hmm. in there to a certain degree. Um, not like not like you know, no one has a DeLorean or anything like that. But there yeah. are moments where you get like sucked into the future and stuff like that. So, but it's just basically the Combine are this alien inv- this invading force that just has enslaved the earth and they have people who are like uh dr breen is like trying to work with the aliens like he's kind of the villain in in half-life 2 but and he's kind of trying to find a middle ground where we can live with these aliens he's doing a bad job but like that's kind of where it is like there's there's aliens are taking over and humans are trying to fix there's like the people who are like let's just embrace this and Mm -hmm. try to have a good time here people and then there's like alex vance and her crew and gordon who are like no we don't want any part of this we're gonna shoot these guys right so in this era then before half-life 2 i know the g-man is very mysterious yeah and they tease him at the end of the half-life alex trailer what is he up to in this era no one knows. No one really yeah, knows. Yeah. Just walking around <laughs> looking at people again? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you kind of just see him like, yeah. walking around the world. But no one really knows. And it's like an impressive feat that they've kept him like this totally secret after what, like Half-Life 1, 2, and episode, you know, like mm-hmm. all these entries. We still don't know whose side the G-Man is on. We don't know what he is. We mm-hmm. don't know. Like, he seems to be helping Gordon, but he might be, he might have his own motivations. Maybe he's using Gordon for something. Emily, like, after two days of Valve, do you know who the G-Man is and what his motivations are? Yeah. <laughs> did you meet the G-Man? No. Gabe Newell? <laughs> oh, Gabe Newell. <laughs> G hmm. for Gabe. No. Hey, did you meet Gabe Newell? No. Oh. No. He's just nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we just we just hung out with the audio crew okay. the whole time. We mm. did we did get to you know wander around and see other areas like the Counter Strike area because that's where Emily usually hangs out since she does sound there. Um, and we saw like the the prototype room where they have like hardware that they're tinkering around which with. Is okay, incredible. I mean, that's just. Unrevealed hardware? As we discussed shortly, not long ago, I'm not very technologically inclined, so seeing people tinkering like that is really fascinating to me, yeah. Any teases? Is it stuff that the world hasn't seen yet? Well, that's where we saw the headset. That's where we got to try the headset, because at the time, the the headset um, 
I'm just starting to panic about everything I say. This is mm-hmm. what these companies do to you. <laughs> ah. Uh, but that's where we tried the headset. Okay. So I've never actually had an index on my head. Right. Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah. The index is it's out. out. Yeah, yep. It's it right. came yeah. out oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. July, yeah. I believe, with that's right. they okay. reveal yeah. with the with the he- headphones, yeah. Did you I just focusing on the audio team, did you get any glimpse of like Campo Santo. So the Campo Santo team who made Firewatch, they were incorporated within Valve. They're making In the Valley of the Gods. And then it seems like from the Jeff Keighley's Final Hours thing, seems like the team has been absorbed into the Half-Life Alex team to some extent. Hmm. Did you see anything like that? Uh, we just worked with the people that have worked at Valve for um, quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, just the, the that crew that I talked about on our podcast with Roland Shaw and Dave Fiza, who are both technically, quote-unquote, just sound designers, but they're composers, too. Like Left 4 um, Dead and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, they've worked on everything between the two of them, every Valve property that's still being maintained in some way, shape, or form. And yeah. um, then Mike Moraski, who's the composer, but Mike Mike uh, visits Valve to do work on occasion. So he's he's not necessarily in-house, even though he kind of more or less is. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. sure. Gotcha. Um, he's usually working remotely. And then Emily Ridgway and then the Steam Audio team, which was also another whole other like way they help out gamers around the world. I mean, that's the other thing about Valve. It's so global. They do so much stuff and they do um, they're all so smart. And it's just yeah. So it was cool to meet the Steam Audio team because yeah. the, that's their like third party. Well, I don't know if that's not the right way to explain it, but that's, you know, how they help games have realistic sound like how sound bounces off objects in the world and interacts with objects in the world to just make it sound more realistic and yeah for sure it's incredible uh kyle uh, yes hello an easier topic to talk about <laughs> uh okay outside of lore with the trailer itself dissecting the trailer in this at the start of the trailer there's the character saying like hey if we get this weapon we could change things forever. Do you have a sense of what that weapon is like does alex have a weapon at the start of half-life 2 that uh is clear no, I okay. mean, I guess it might be the gravity gun, but that seems weird that they would tease that. Right. Well, what'd you make of that shot in the trailer where it looked like she was almost using gravity or some force to like pull a device off of a guard? Well, I think, I think, uh, I mean, she does that multiple times, which yeah. is interesting because that's like, that's a VR thing, right? Of like pulling objects towards you so that you don't have to like lean onto the mm-hmm. ground and pick things up. But I think in the world of Half-Life, it actually is functional and makes sense because I think what she has, that glove, it has the same orange glow as the gravity gun. Okay. So I'm guessing it's like a, an early prototype of the gravity gun, kind so of. So it could be the weapon. Yeah, but I, I think I think that tease is like something bigger that we don't understand yet. Like she's trying to get to the vault. She talks and, about And the vault, vault, is that a thing that's established in no. Half-Life lore? No. Is that the ship that's like on the strings that's above the, the city? That's the assumption. Yeah. Okay. Like that's like, because when she talks about it, they show it on two instances. I watch this trailer a lot. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm guessing whatever the weapon, I think it's something in there that we don't know what it is yet. Okay. My, that's my assumption. I don't think, it would be kind of fun, but it would be also kind of weird if like, <laughs> you're trying to get in the vault the whole game to get this a weapon, and it's like... The gravity gun? It's like, well, I've used this thing a lot. Right. Like, I know how this Ooh, thing works. Wow. What if it's F-stop? What if it... I was, the legendary... I, I was hoping weapon. we would talk about F-stop. I mean, there's nothing to say other than... What is it? What is F-stop? No, but what... Still want to set it up? <laughs> oh, okay, so years ago, I, I think it was in one of Keeley's final, final hours, hours yeah. right? Uh, they, were, they, they were doing a game jam, Valve internally, and they had all these different ideas and all these different ideas, and one of them was F-stop. 
And I and correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was going to be incorporated into Portal Two. Yeah. But then they were like, you know what? This is worth its own thing. We're yep. going to set this aside. And that that's all we know is that there was something that they came up with that they were so excited about that they're like, we got to put this aside to be its own game or something. Yeah. And it's called F stop, which is a a camera term. Yeah. Right. It's about focus. Uh, I think it's aperture, but yeah. Okay. Of okay. course. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so what is F-stop? I Honestly, know. I've never made that aperture connection until right now. Yeah, oh, yes, of course. I think Keely knows what F-stop is. So yeah. maybe if we ever get a chance to talk to him, we can just throw that in the middle of a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> where'd you get your start? What's F-stop? Yeah. You know, what's coming up on the Game Awards next year? And Emily, we're going to check your pulse while we keep saying the word F-stop to see <laughs> if there's any indication. Uh, it's actually a sort of lie detector. Uh, okay, so... Also in the trailer, there's so many shots of her like charging her hands because she has like these robotic yeah. gloves. Is that a thing from her? That's a Half Life thing. Like that, charging your hands. That system that she seems to—it seems to be she's like getting health back. Yeah. Like I think even that in the trailer is like a call out to like, hey, this familiar Half Life thing of walking up to the system and charging your power. Yeah. This is how it's going to function. In a it wasn't power. exactly. It, it wasn't one to one because I think in, yes. in Half Life Two you just recharge your suit. Yeah. You. Had but it wasn't your suit like you didn't put your hand on it or anything as far as. No, I, I mean I think the implication. Right. Was is like that it is, it is that same technology? It. Yeah. But I don't think that was like a new mechanic. I think that was more of like a callback to like this is how. This thing that's familiar to Half-Life, this is how it's going to work. Okay. I think. Did you... This is all me guessing. I, I love it. This is very specific. I love it. There's one quick shot in the trailer of like some sort of hologram planning table. Yeah. And she puts a cup on the table. Yeah. What do you think that is? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that, because that... Because you could look at it and be like, oh, maybe they're just trying to show VR. It's fun to pick up stuff. Yeah, because there's a lot of, like, throwing objects at enemies or, like, clearing a shelf with your hand, which all looks very fun. But it does also, when she puts that cup down, like, a very, a kind of a blurry hologram appears as though it's, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, reading DNA or something. Or do you think it's, like, an ODST thing where she's going around and, like, finding these artifacts or something? No, I don't don't think it's that. But there's... I think, I don't know. I, that one's tough because I look at it and I'm like, are they just showing gameplay mechanics? Yeah. It's fun to drop things on a table. Or is that like this cup has some important, <laughs> Gordon drank from this cup and his DNA <laughs> is up with Christ. And it's like, <laughs> this is how we find Gordon again, you know? Maybe Gordon's the weapon. I don't remember that oh. part in the trailer, the cup, but I do remember in Half-Life 2 when you go into the lab and you get to, you can like, that's the, one of the first things you can like portal over. Is there oh, a cup yeah, yeah, sitting yeah, yeah, on the yeah. thing? And you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's oh. like there's all these like physics objects because like yeah. Half Life Two was all about physics. Right, that was the right. big yeah. sort of evolution so in that game. But I love it, even yeah. in Half Life Alex in that wide shot of the city, the reveal of that. There's a helicopter flying and it's hauling some big object and it's like swaying. It's just yeah. like physics porn out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, there's a helicopter. It's like all right, cool confirmation. Stuff. Source two will have physics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Puzzle solving, it seemed like in that trailer, very yeah. exciting for Which you. Is, well, yes and no. Ooh. Because, like, the thing about Half Life and Half Life 2 is, like, the puzzles have always been really well integrated in the environment. Like, they are part of the environment. And, like, the thing that she was doing almost seemed like there was this, like, UI mask on top, like, behind, like, she was, like, rearranging wires behind a wall. Yeah. And it almost felt like, like, I would almost say, like, traditional puzzle. Like, it was almost like a mechanic that would maybe be in, like, a puzzle game or something like right. that. Right. It's more, like, they highlight the part of the thing yeah. that's a puzzle versus, like, you have to put a grenade in the lever to basically push it out. Yeah. And it, and it all looks like it's part of the, like, it doesn't feel out of place in a building. Yeah, right? like, because Half-Life 2 was all about, like, 
you kind of you they did a good job of making you feel like you were using the environment to solve your puzzles mm -hmm. where this feels like oh i have a special tool that occasionally i'll have to flip some switches or something it's like it's time to go into puzzle mode versus yeah. like oh this is a natural solution but it does it does look like it's using vr in an interesting way because when they show that mechanic a little bit later in the trailer Alex is actually like moving wires in 3D space to connect dots. Yeah, which is right. kind of interesting. So she's gonna be kind of circling around. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Pulling. I mean, like I, that, that sounds fun in VR. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I want to. It's one of those things I want to play. But my initial reaction was like, oh, that's not. That doesn't look like a Half-Life puzzle to me. You know, right, yeah. right. I'm also curious to how they said that it works with every like VR headset except for like PSVR basically. Mm -hmm. uh, but and they I bet said they probably want to work on that port at some point. Sure. I, I mean, Maybe I would PS5 imagine yeah. type thing. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what the differences are because they said it's it is designed around the index because mm -hmm. like they have the knuckles controllers which have separate inputs for like two of your fingers yeah so i wonder how that translates over to like you know the oculus which has more button oriented yeah. stuff and like a yeah. trigger um but i'd be curious to see if like the puzzle if puzzles are like literally different uh depending on what platform you play on yeah, yeah. and they did say in that final hours keely brought up like i think i think keely did a good job with that interview i know everybody gives keely a lot of crap but yeah. i think he's really good just at being blunt and yeah. just, just asked them, asking why the most isn't this obvious things. Three? Yeah, which exactly, is like, I appreciate you know? um, But then he asked about, like, oh, can you make a non-VR version of this? And they're like, well, we're focused on VR. It started as VR. Like, it's they aren't fully ruling it out, but it's very heavily yeah. implied. Like, this is the entire idea well, I like of this thing. They said in that interview, they were like, well, if we were to translate this to, which is now, the term has become flat screen yeah. to, like, VR and playing games outside of VR. I, that's funny that that's what it's become. They were like, wow. yeah, we'd have to use like half the keyboard just to map controls for how to open a door. Because right. like, like, which is like an interesting idea. You know, it's like, because I guess what you can like crack doors open and toss grenades in or even lean in and shoot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, how do you do that? We, we did that with the Resident Evil 2 stream, don't you remember? Oh, like barely right. opening that door. And it, was really, it looked really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely high fun. fidelity for yeah. sure. Yeah. Great. Um, before we move on to game music overall, uh, I did want to give a plug to the first MinMax community meetup, which we have Fun. lined up. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Like, one of the things that I want to do for so long is have more community meetups. And now it's like, after leaving Game Informer, it's like, okay, it doesn't need to be perfect. Don't expect bancers, banners and fancy things. Like, or bancers. You know? Don't yeah. expect any Whatever belly those bancers. <laughs> but, like, let's just all get together, have some beers if you'd like, and just talk about games as a big group, right? And yeah. so the first one's going to be at Bauhaus Brew Labs, which is a brewery in uh, northeast Minneapolis. They do genuinely make one of my favorite beers, uh, Wonder Stuff. So I'm so excited that, like, it happened to work out with them, and they have a good big space. They have Killer Queen there. Mm. Um, but Bauhaus Brew Labs on Monday, December 9th, at 8 p.m. Uh, Central time. Central time. So this is just in Minnesota, and I understand a lot of people are bummed out that you know live internationally or other places in the states. Um, no promises, but I'm going to try to just like set up a laptop that's like an unlisted private stream for the Patreon supporters, and then I'll stand next to that mic for some of the night or most of the night, right? And just kind of talk to people. I think it'd be fun just to see what that environment's like. But we're going to be playing Smash Brothers, hopefully. They say they have a projector that should work, so we can have a Smash Brothers tournament. And then just, yeah, casual chit-chat. But uh, there's a nice positive angle as well. We're talking to Bauhaus, which, by the way, they've been amazing. And just so I could spell it here, B-A-U-H-A-U-S, Bauhaus. Um, but they were so nice. And they pitched out of the gate, like, hey, yeah, we have this, like, charity drive in December before Christmas. It's like a toy drive. It's called Sweet Toys for Sick Kids. Mm. And so maybe we could connect it with your thing. And I'm like, absolutely. Nice. And so what you do is you bring in a newish toy 
but unsealed. Don't go out and buy a toy unless you want to and then take it out of the packaging. But if you have a toy that isn't used and crappy, bring it in and you get a free beer for it. And mm. then they take those toys and deliver it to a children's hospital for Christmas. And so make it good. It's like, man, this audience, guaranteed we, we've all got some Star Wars toys or something that we realistically don't need anymore, right? And, and there's so a whole shelf right there. We have, <laughs> I'll give up everything except for my Frieza in the tuxedo, which I'm still <laughs> in love with. Uh, but so bring in a toy to Bauhaus on December 9th, that Monday at 8 p.m., and then you get a free beer. And the cool thing, too, is like, yeah, if somebody brings in a really sweet toy, like, we'll give them, like, a free growler or something. So, like, it scales up depending on how good the toy mm, is. Nice. So we would love for everybody to show up. Um, you don't need to be a Patreon supporter if you're just listening or watching to this. Everybody's welcome. Um, capacity is, like, 187. It's like, I don't think we're going to fill that. I, I, This could go either way. But uh, they are open to us recording live podcasts there in the future, and it's a really nice space for that. And so I really want to impress Bauhaus. So please come by, please bring a toy. And for people outside of Minnesota, I'm going to try and set up some way for you to be generous with this charity as well. Maybe we can have some pool where everybody can chip in and we can buy more toys or just make it a check going to that hospital, something like that. So we'll try and get that out there and, and plan it all out. But nice. Have you been to Bauhaus, Emily? Nope. Okay, great. It's It's wonderful. one of the few in the cities I haven't visited. Well, there we go. Lately. How about yeah. Monday, December 9th? You <laughs> come sounds by good. And hold court about playing Half-Life Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this will be great. Uh, so, yes, be sure to tell a friend about that. We'd appreciate it. Okay. Game music in 2019. We all have four to three to some number of tracks. Um, we will need to put headphones on to hear these. And I want to make sure it's going to feel really uncomfortable in the room. But we should let these tracks play for a while, right? I feel like people are always like, stop playing 20 seconds and then talking over. Let's just, just sit in our discomfort now for the sake of the <laughs> listeners. Uh, okay, so let's get those headphones out. Okay, it turns out we'll just insert the audio in post so we won't have headphones after Perfect. all. Perfect. <laughs> this is seamless. Okay, first song, Kyle. Here it is. Kyle, that's your fourth favorite song that's of the year. <laughs> yeah. So if you couldn't figure it out by just listening, the lyrics were Take Control. Yeah. And uh, that's from the game Control. <laughs> <laughs> and it's during like the maze There's, sequence? It's it, like, honestly, I don't really like the song. It's not a very good song. Uh -huh. But in the context of the game, there's this crazy puzzle that you have to get through. And like, uh, you're actually given, was it? not it a tape deck, I think? Yeah, I think you're, it's giving, like a you're giving her like a Walkman, a Walkman or something. Yeah. And she puts on headphones and she has to listen to this song in order to get through this crazy maze in the game. And oh I think God. even the gunfire and stuff is muted because she's listening to this like this this rocking song that's uh, has the words control Take in the control. game control. <laughs> that's and absurd. It's, just, it's so weird. And like I, I think if you look if as we talk about control in like the larger year, I think a lot of people will point to that as being like an ins like a weird, crazy moment in the game because right. even like visually, the stuff that's going on is insane. And then like this insane song is happening too. It's just such like a weird thing. And like right when it kicked off, and I was like, all right, we're getting some rock here, and the lyrics are "Take Control," and I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> what are we doing here? All right, <laughs> great stuff. More subtle than Kojima. <laughs> yes. right. All right, uh, my number four is unexpected. Keep in mind, this is about as far as I got in the game. I'd like to point out that Pants and Ass is for three songs. And that both is true. Of them have and then four. I just really wanted to squeeze these in. Uh, and I okay. gave him five and he cut one of mine, apparently. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It still will be played by somebody else, okay. Kyle. Right. We'll see oh. how it goes. Oh, uh, this is from Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Mount Olympus field music. All right. 
That's by Yoko Shimomura, who who did Final Fantasy XV. We talked oh, to her on okay. that cover story trip, did an interview with her uh, that's up online, a Game Informer. Uh, but then also she's composed Street Fighter Two. Like she goes back mm. so far in the industry. It's just awesome. But in terms of songs that got stuck in my head in an unexpected way, I spent days just humming that stupid little <laughs> refrain. It's so... It's, Kingdom I think it's fair to say that you're not a fan of Kingdom Hearts, the franchise, the I game, right? I want to like it desperately. But it, this is like just another sort of checkmark in like things that Hanson loves. Disney, Final Fantasy. <laughs> Yoko Shimomura. <laughs> great music. Like, yes. like the show, It all has great music, but it's just like it's this weird thing where for you it just doesn't come together, does it's it? It's almost like the storytelling is embarrassing. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> for that. Uh, Emily, you're the smartest person musically here. Uh, so <laughs> if you ever just want to throw out some real zingers that just floor us for why these songs are good compared to... I'm not putting you on the spot oh. now, but I'm saying, you know, we're just like, it sounds catchy. Yeah, but if you're like, oh, well, words that's a... like pianissimo and like forte. <laughs> and... What is the most impressive thing you can hear musically that we can't? Notes? Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could probably transcribe that melody for you after hearing it. Are you once. kidding me? No. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> but I mean, look where that got me in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like playing Half Life, Alex. <laughs> I know. We're all very right, jealous. I don't know yeah. if we made that yeah. clear. No kidding. No. Um. Yeah. Uh, that's just a weird. I have a. It's about the only kind of memory I have is a musical memory. <laughs> oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, your first song, Emily, there's two versions. Would you like to play one over the other, or do you want to play both? Yeah, we'll play the day version. Day version. Um, okay. I know that we're, my other two examples are orchestral, but this mm. one is definitely not, because okay. anytime Jesper Kidd is going to release new music, he's probably going to be in my top, um, because he's just so good. And He's uh, known for, like, the Assassin's Creed soundtracks. Assassin's Creed and Hitman and... Borderlands. Darksiders Two. Darksiders oh, wow. Two. Yeah. Oh, Darksiders it, Two is probably my favorite soundtrack. Is to be honest. Yeah, it's better than the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like Darksiders Two, but that soundtrack. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is he your favorite is... video game composer? Uh he's one of them. Who do you think is number one? Not to put um, you on the spot. Again. Now, probably Gary Scheiman is probably oh, really? my favorite. Bioshock. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One time uh, at E3, I was walking into the main convention center, and it was Marty O'Donnell from Halo fame. Fame, talking to Gary Scheiman, that's his mm-hmm. name, um, and someone came up to Marty O'Donnell, and I, this, I was overheard this as I was walking up. Somebody came up to Marty O'Donnell, like, "Oh my God, Marty, I'm a big fan." And Marty goes, "Do you know who you're standing next to? Like, <laughs> this is Gary Scheiman. Like, kiss his <laughs> ass awesome. too." Really that's fun. amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's get to this track from the beginning here. Yeah, sure. This is just the main uh, menu theme from Borderlands Three, and it has a day version and a night version because there's day-night cycles in the game. So there we go. Thank you. 
That's I love that you chose that because I think with Borderlands everybody's like, okay, you have the licensed songs in the beginning, always the big kickoff thing, but just like giving credit to like, no, the rest of the score is actually very <laughs> good too. The rest of the score is amazing, and and I mean that game was so big. They've had multiple composers on that game since the beginning, but uh, but on Borderlands three. And, you know, honestly, they might have done this in two in a different way as well. But in Borderlands 3, there are different planets that you go to. I haven't played it yet. Uh, I'm going to pick up on Friday, Black Friday sale. Oh, nice. Borderlands 3 has been on my list for a while. Um, but you can um, go to different planets, and each composer took a different planet. So oh, that's cool. Th- that works really well because a lot of times with multiple composers, there can be this, like, lack of cohesion, not for anybody's fault or because somebody's bad or any reason like that. It's just difficult to create a sound you know between multiple composers around the world or however it's done and mm-hmm. so i like how they did that in the game i'm I'm anxious to hear how that actually plays out during gameplay but yeah i mean jesper's just phew, he just has such detail there's so much detail in his music and and it always just has the most chill vibe <laughs> no matter what and and he's he's a chill guy uh and it, it just comes through in his music just really um he can really create that atmosphere of i don't know just chill you know hanging yeah. out on the start screen yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly yeah no matter what game i mean he's just always had just such a groove to all his music that you know that's a that's a unique that's a special trait i yeah. think yeah anyway i love it uh surreal vasquez which one do you want to start with sir the the last one the one that i the one you just added the one i swapped in okay great uh, so this is Fire Emblem Three Houses main, main theme. theme. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I was you know, just about to say, this sounds like it has words. Yeah. <laughs> well, it had that chanting in the beginning, which was yeah, it's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. A, it's, I mean, there are a lot of versions of that melody in that soundtrack, so I'm kind of this is like the baseline that they use to like iterate on it. And but I kind of want to use it as a as a way to talk about that soundtrack as a whole, which I yeah. think is is really well like structured as part of the game. Uh, so uh, the way the game works is that you are eventually split into one of three houses and you take a different path. And so each of those characters has like 
several versions of that theme throughout their storyline because there's like a time skip. So they have like, uh, you know, Edelgard will have her pre-time skip versus post-time skip version of that exact same theme. Hmm. And I think it ties into that game themes of like they, they all have the same background but they have their own, you know, twist on their experience of it. And it, you know, when they use it later on to iterate, like, this is an important moment when these two sides are clashing, but they're also, you know, they're not doing it because they want to. They just have very different convictions about, you know, like, look, I, you, you're my friend, but I believe this very strongly. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to fight about it. So um, I think it does like that theme, which they iterate in the schoolyard when you're walking around it. There's like a more casual version of that theme. Uh, you know, there's a battle version of that theme, things like that. I think that melody has become like a, a really strong kind of like encapsulation of that entire game. And, you know, there are some t- soundtracks where that is the case where you can sort of go down the track list and listen to it. And you kind of have like a, a summation of the game in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those really good ones where you, you read Dimitri's and you get this sense of, Oh, he's very desperate. Something really bad has happened to him. You get Edelgard's where he's like, she, you know, not to spoil stuff, but like she's very convinced about what she's doing. And mm-hmm. she's like, and she's kind of like using her position, you know, for, for better or worse. And then there's uh, uh, Claude who's like trying to mastermind the like the perfect solution to to this problem. And so all of their themes play into their versions of the of that theme play right. into that. Cool. I love it. Great choice. Kyle mm. Hilliard. Number oh, three. Okay. The order is, is weird, but I guess it makes Whatever. sense. Let's just yeah. work around the table like this. <laughs> That's fine. I want to go next. And it is... I've, it's Vain, yep. right? Okay. That uh, came out this year? That came out this year. It was very early this year. And like that game, uh, kind of in the way like you want to talk about the larger soundtrack, Vain was this really like ambitious, ambiguous kind of game that uh, members of Team Ico worked on. Yeah. And like... Um, it was it was really cool, but I I, I think my for my review that I did for Game Informer the the score is not great because it was very buggy mm-hmm. and like but uh, the sound it's a synthwave soundtrack and I have like really gotten into synthwave over the last couple of years like that You're is nice. that's what I listen to almost exclusively when I write yeah it's just like the Spotify synthwave list and I think this yes. game has really good synthwave so okay you don't have to play it a lot because synthwave is is kind of repetitive you know sure. but. Uh, yeah, really good soundtrack for a cool game that I would encourage you to check out now because I'm sure it's been patched. There we go. So this is Metamorphosis from Vane. Imagine that walking through a very sh- abstract, shifting environment that's just being like pounded by storms and rain. And it's like mm. you're a taxi driver in a cyberpunk future. Yeah, wow, that seems like a cool idea. Yeah, it's very Blade Runner. It's super Blade Runner. But, <laughs> but it's, then, yeah, it's crazy because you play as what a bird flying over a desert. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> it is like a it's one of the, it's like the other reason like I want to highlight it again is because it is that genre I love, which is like basically Fever Dream, the video game. Mm. You know, which is kind of what I think like Limbo and Inside is. Like this one didn't execute quite as well. 
well as those games I love, but just really dark, moody soundtrack, really yeah. dark environments with like shifting abstract stuff happening. You can you change into a bird and fly around. It's a very cool game. Very awesome. good soundtrack. Nice. I love it. Uh, Emily, let's keep rolling to you. Yeah, what's uh, what's show me what's next? <laughs> I will show you what's next. Okay, here we go. We all know our list perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't remember in which order I supplied them. Uh, this next one, um, actually, a, a podcast friend uh, sent me or sent us in our Discord chat. Sent you know just like hey, check out this score, and I was actually intrigued by the game, and it was a game I really enjoyed, even though I hate games like this. <laughs> Because uh, there's like nothing to shoot <laughs> or drive. <laughs> you can't drive or fly or shoot or parachute or anything. Yeah. The five gaming verbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you already sold us. What's the game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the game is Heaven's Vault, and huh. the composer is a uh, British uh, fella named Lawrence Chapman. And we had an interview about it, and uh, we got on really well, actually, just because we like a lot of the same composers, and so that was a fun conversation. But uh, he basically just did piano and string quartet, which is quite lovely for this hmm. uh, score. So, um, yeah. This Under is, the Eye of Cabenya is the name of this track. Sounds about how I would say it. Thank you. <laughs> And also, I don't want to start crying. So yeah, it can use more synth. Yeah, <laughs> it needs more cowbell for sure. Um, <laughs> no, that, was, that was lovely. Yeah, I, I liked that score quite a bit, and uh, just a nice, you know, accompaniment to the game itself, which was pretty as well. And I liked that uh, setup of string quartet and piano. That's not a combination you hear too often in hmm. games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, here's a natural transition. Um, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Everybody, <laughs> the soundtrack overall. There's uh, some synth in there. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, it's like uh, there's bagpipes. It's very British themed. And then I'm not in love with the soundtrack. The main battle theme has a section I really like. And then you get to the first gym battle. And it's like, <laughs> what are they doing? It is just wild. Okay, here's the gym battle theme. Keep in mind, it's in a big British stadium. Okay. And it's odd.
can't tell what kind of tonality they're going for there. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just trying to bring, I think, obviously, like that the football stadium over there, like the soccer chance yeah, into a like, Pokemon battle. But that's like more Brazilian, isn't it? Kind of no, like that's all that's soccer. Yeah, in oh, general. Okay. yeah, I guess just so. like yeah. things are not consonant. You know, you know what I mean? Not that everything is supposed to well, be. Well, can an entire but... stadium be in consonants? Is that well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, even in that first part when when, when you first turned it on for yeah. us, and there there's like. One of those percussion sounds, or something. I'd, I'd really would love to hear that on headphones, right. or you know, just not not in this way because some of those overtones on some of those synth sounds were clashing horrendously. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was like Hanson, like, you made this. You, I'm just that like, was did a bad you, pick. I mean, you want to know? Well, no. Yeah, that was it's my that, that was my joke pick. That, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so curious, like if. If that was super intentional, and what would that yeah. sound like in yeah. a car stereo? Or, you know, did they just forget? Because sometimes people don't, li- you know, when you're mixing stuff, especially like you got to make sure you're listening on all these different sound systems, and maybe they forgot to listen to it on a laptop. <laughs> I don't know. I, but did you hear? I mean, let's just. I already closed it, okay. but uh, we'll trust I, you that it's it uh, I, I, I like the atmosphere that's yeah. just so bizarre for There's, there's so a very much a UK amazing. rave circa like 2010 yeah. kind of yeah. sound to I just, it. I also yeah. like how unexpected it is totally. for it's Pokemon amazing. in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the drop in the middle is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Have to wait for yeah. half the song to be like, okay, yeah. this is what I want to get into. Yeah, exactly. Normally Love it syncs up for when you Dynamax too, which is very fun. Okay, Serial, your next entry. Mansion. Mansion. Uh, from the No More Heroes, or the Travis Strikes Again No More Heroes soundtrack. This is why I like is... doing this, because again, it's like, Travis Strikes Again came out 2019? Yeah. Somebody <laughs> somebody sent me this track. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it was. it's very much in line with Kyle's last pick, where it's like very chill. Like, this has been, I don't like listening to entire soundtracks, because I get too distracted of like, oh, now it's time for this song. Now I'm excited. Now I'm mm-hmm. distracted from writing. Yeah. So writing to one song over and over again is, is oh, sort of how weird. I do things. And this is the song that I've been using for the last couple months. Okay, nice. here's Mansion from Travis Strikes he Again. Pantomime some mm-hmm. keyboarding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So the, the theme of the game is that you're going into various old, like, hmm. video games that I think were, were banned because right. I think they killed people. But, like, uh, um, <laughs> video games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're in this one that's based on, like, the PlayStation era. And this is the one that looks like the inside of the foyer of, like, the Resident Evil 1 mansion. Oh, So, weird. like, you're kind of – and the idea is that you're going into different doors to unlock different doors, uh, things like that. And so you're kind of, this is, like, the music that plays in the lobby as you're traversing the different, like, hmm. uh, doors, basically. Because they all lead to, like, different worlds Is it meant stuff. to be horror? 
Not really. No? It's, okay. No. Hmm. Cool. Also, shout out, one of my entries was going to be the Resident Evil 2 save room. But not the remade version, the original, which is also in the yeah. remake of Resident Evil 2. Uh, still cheating, uh, but, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't play it. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, your next pick. Uh, certain cadence. Yeah, this one almost feels like cheating. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's Zelda music. It's but, but I... <laughs> I, this is like one of my favorite takes on Zelda music. This song, I love this so much. I would listen to it over and over and even like got me back behind my drum set, like trying to play this, which I don't do very much anymore. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, this song in particular from Cadence of Hyrule, I really love. Cadence of Hyrule. And which yeah. track is it? Uh, Wind, Windmill, I think it is. So there it is. You host a jazz. Yeah, is the whole that... score of that jazzy? No. Okay. No, this what is one of the. That was good so. jazz, right? That was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. no, that was great. It's, 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 that whole soundtrack is fantastic. It's amazing. It's really great. Um, that that particular song is like easy to miss. Like you can, it's, there's like a windmill in the top yep. like left corner of the map, and you go in there, and there's two versions of it, kind of like the day night cycle with Borderlands. Like there's a version if you're if you're you know if you've kept the beat up, you know you get a sort of a more a filled version. But I like that version because like the drums are mixed so high, mm-hmm. and I just love yeah. good drums. I don't know, and I would just like that. Of of a great Zelda soundtrack like that just that one just stood out to me as like that's my favorite I just I love that one particular track so much yeah, yeah. yeah. I almost put one from that same soundtrack I, I yeah. think mine would have been like the the menu theme like that yeah. the, the main title theme because yeah. for the same reason of like the drums are mixed so high that they yeah. they have this yeah. really strong kick to them yeah it's and it just takes nice. forever in that main menu theme but friend of the show Adriana Figueroa that's right a uh, yeah. friend of the family there for the Hilliards yeah uh, my sister good friends with my sister yeah yeah, yeah she sings uh, for nice. several tracks like yeah. the great fairy fountain and then the title theme which is awesome. Yeah, and it's and but, she's a good job. But the frustrating thing, of course, is they can't talk about it because it's under that Nintendo umbrella, yeah, right? I, even like, I tried when it came out to talk yeah. to multiple. I tried to go through Nintendo. I tried to go through the developer. And, yeah, and Danny Bernowski wow. from Super Meat yep. Boy fame. Yeah. yeah, he always did that. He actually gave a great interview on, I think it was Game Maker's Notebook, where he was talking to Austin Winery. Mm. Um, and it was all just about his history in the industry. And he touched a little bit on it, but... Much in the same way you're talking about Half-Life Alex right now. We're like, oh, what can I say? Right? It's like, I think he's very much in that. But I mean, yeah. what a treat for him to spend years remixing yeah. Zelda music. And he yeah. knocked it out of the park. That's yeah. so good. It's yeah. amazing. Um, okay. Emily. Oh, yes. Number what do we one. Got here? This is cheating also. Uh, this is a game that came out last year. But oh, yeah. the interview that I did with Olivier came out this year. And Olivier Derivier is one of my favorite video game composers as well. Uh, he's so talented, and he always manages to work with amazing groups. And this soundtrack is interesting. This is a more narrative-driven game as well, which, again, not my favorite kind of game. 
<laughs> but the music no time is for talking. Dope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the music's great um, and unique because they did not perform to a click track, which always has to happen in music for media. The orchestra has to wear a click, or they'll have to separate out the brass from the strings, from the percussion, from you know, however. And this was recorded like a concert, basically. You know, hmm. um, no click, so there's. It just feels a little more organic in that way. And also it was recorded with an orchestra that is actually an orchestra all the time. Like that's their job is to play orchestral concerts year round. They're not a recording studio artist, not to knock that at all. Mm -hmm. It's just a different thing. Um, uh, So it's the Philharmonia Orchestra uh, out of London and... They're phenomenal. Um, it's called Harry's Voyage from Harry's 11, Voyage. 11 Memories Retold, which yep. was Ardman. They were involved yeah. in that game. I think I yes. started playing this game. Okay. Yes. I think you're the only one. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is actually a cor- more choral stuff, for, which is shocking that I would pick that. But uh, it's, it's just so lovely, really well-written stuff. Yeah. It's just so beautiful, and I love that music like that exists in games. I just and think that's... imagine in in context too when you're dealing with World yeah. War One and hearing that like that's just a that's a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. And hey he, guys, yeah. World War One, that's a double whammy. That's, that's, that's a downer. <laughs> but the music, oh, yeah. the music. Out of the world. Well, amazing. World World War One soundtrack, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, for me, hey, speaking of out of this world soundtrack. Uh, the main title theme to The Outer Worlds, uh, oh. a game we did the deepest dive on. You could not get more detail. And by the way, I should point out, um, we'll have the names of all these tracks in the timestamps. So if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you can find all the all the names there and everything. Uh, but here is uh, the main menu theme for The Outer Worlds from Obsidian.
but that was crazy because it was a uh, Justin Bell, who I think is the in-house composer for Obsidian. But that entire soundtrack, mm. I think, is is so strong. And like nice. maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention to Obsidian soundtracks recently with the Pillars franchise and stuff like that. But this soundtrack just blew me away out of the mm. blue. It's also it sets us weird. It, it wasn't what I expected from the start screen of Outer Worlds. Yeah, totally. Because I was like, okay, we're in for a goofball sci-fi comedy. 100%. But that's more like. Star Trek almost. Like yeah, that's very Jerry yeah. Goldsmith. Ah, uh, that's yeah. what they're directly going for. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, they nail it. Can I just ask a very dumb question? And you're welcome to say there's no answer to that, you idiot. <laughs> but that song in particular, it's a longer song, and it's just it starts so small and gets so built big, and it's such a satisfying build, satisfying progression. Is there a music term for that or just for understanding why it's so satisfying to keep adding layer upon layer upon layer upon layer? Yeah, I mean, probably the best example of that from the classical world is a French piece. A French composer named Maurice Ravel wrote this piece, Bolero, which I'm sure you would probably recognize if you How heard. would I spell it? Bolero. It's B-O-L-E-R-O. Okay. And so it starts just with a snare drum solo. And by the end of the piece, it's just, some people call it a big giant musical orgasm. I, I don't, I think that's whatever, but... <laughs> I think it's a great piece. A lot of people think it's overplayed. Whatever, um, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Bolero is an amazing piece. Um, but it's but the first or best example of that build. It's a great example of that build huh. because it literally starts with like you wanted me to say pianissimo, like a pianissimo <laughs> <laughs> snare drum it. solo. It's just like, and it's just like, where is that sound coming from? And it's just mm. this snare drummer in the back being as restrained as humanly possible. And then by the end, like the trombones are doing big portamentos, like, and just it's just at the end it's great and it just adds slowly slowly and there's all these cool videos you can see as the layers get added just you can watch all these visual representations it's like smooth McGroove Kyle oh (laughs) smooth McGroove Uh, when when was that written was it Uh, it was like 19 probably like 19 10 or somewhere in there I think it was the music that Nintendo wanted to use for Zelda Mm. But oh, I think, really? And I, but I think it was written recently enough at the time yeah. that yeah. they couldn't use it. And that's why Koji Kondo, you know, the rumor goes he wrote, like, the Zelda theme over the course of, like, a day or two because Bolero fell out. And oh, they weren't allowed funny. to use oh, that. Oh, weird. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, could, be, I could be wrong about that, but I, I think that was the piece in particular. It's very recently come into the public domain for much of the world. Okay, so that, that's yeah, that quite possible. Yeah. In fact, until very recently, Maurice Ravel was still the highest grossing French musician ever. And it was because of that piece, because oh, it wasn't in the public domain yet. So he yeah. was still reaping. His family was getting all these royalties, or whoever runs his estate. Yeah. Right now. So Nintendo, now's the time you can use. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. A now you use your Bolero. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, you were the well, thank you. world's greatest guest for this episode. It is stupid <laughs> how much you know about this, and also Half Life. It's insane how this worked out. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see what you got, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd like to introduce Bolero. <laughs> Very smart. Yeah, I'm a little cheating because it came. It, uh, it just yeah. came into the public domain. <laughs> uh, your number one track is a licensed track that's in a game. Right? Yeah, I don't know if it actually came out this year, but it was in a game this year, so it counts. Sure, uh, sure. It, it is. Uh, don't be so serious by the Low Roar in Death Stranding. In Death Stranding. Yes. Okay. As, the... as made famous by that's Death right. Stranding. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Here we go. Rain 
That was one of the games where I think, to me, it is so intrinsically tied to the moment. Oh, 100%. That, that it's oh, yeah. in, just because, like, I mean, for one, it is, like, the closest games have gotten to having, like, a, a true detective-style opening where, like, it, it's all these shots of, like, mountains and, like, all this, like, you know, rough terrain, basically, which is exactly what the game is about. Is yeah. It's about, like, taking a look at a, at a landscape and seeing, like... All right, here we go, and and getting to the top and being like, oh, thank God, there's the outpost. Mm-hmm. Like that is what that game is about, and I think that that intro sets it up so perfectly well, and I think that it also ties into you know, uh, some of the themes he gets across because you know even though the chorus is like, don't be so serious, a lot of lyrics leading up to that, it's like I think the thing he says right before that is like, uh, I'm not here, there must be some mistake. So and then. So I think a lot of people say like, oh, don't be so serious. It's Kojima telling people to to ease off. Right. But I think it's the opposite of that because I think that the chorus I think is is the people telling him to not be so, uh, like, don't oh, be don't be so serious. And he's like, no, I am fully gonna go into my bullcrap this this time. <laughs> like th- this is, this me is about be- life and death. Like, this is me being very <laughs> yeah. earnest. And when you get uh-huh. to the like. It cut and like the actual themes of the story he's telling. It's like no, you should worry about this right now. It's not like a thing that you can put off. It's people telling people ah, that's not a problem. Don't worry about it. it. It's like him being like, no, this is at the forefront of what I'm thinking about because it it does feel to me so dire. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, on YouTube here, just reading the comments, a lot of Kojima love. Mm. Uh, and someone says, Hideo Kojima, the first dude to give credit to music artists as the song plays in the game. Which mm. I don't know if that's technically true, but something amazing about that game. I don't know if you've started yet, Emily, but like nope. as the song starts playing, it'll just say. Song by and like yeah. artist oh, wow. song yeah. breaks the right fourth wall, I guess, in that way, which yeah, is like really cool. MTV style. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. Is. And, yeah. That, and that game has like a lot of those moments of like the like um, what was the the song in Red Dead? Uh, well, when you go into yeah Mexico, Mexico. The house yeah. building song. Yeah, no, <laughs> no yeah, but it has a lot of those moments where year, you'll but... hear a license song as you're making your journey to mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and then that's again when they'll show the the artist and the nice. name of the song, yeah. which is like a really cool touch for sure. Something that Red Dead Two didn't even do, and that Red Dead Two clearly. Also fell in love with Red Dead One's use of that music, uh, first time in Mexico because like mm. they they layered so many songs to try to recreate that moment so many times in Red Dead Two, but they don't put the artist on there. Like that's a very Kojima yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah, that was the song that Hanson cut from my list. Yeah, you son of a bitch. No, we got it covered. Yeah, we got no, it covered. Uh, but yeah, there, just to reiterate what you said, like the when you start that game and like you start walking and that song kicks on, like I was instantly like, okay, I understand what I'm in for Mm -hmm. here. Like, I immediately understand what he's going for with this because, like, the music coming up sort of also signifies, like, you don't have to worry about enemies right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just focused on moving forward. And, yeah, I've been listening to that song a lot outside of the game, for sure. As much as you've been listening to this track? No. Honestly, I've been listening to this one even more. Okay, what is this? Uh, This is from Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is, like, basically a video game pop album. I think that's how they described it. Hmm. And this... Which is the soundtracks on Spotify. It's great. I love it. This is probably my favorite song and level from the game. Called Mine. Mine. 
yeah, I just that's that. I mean, if you think about that song with like mm -hmm. super colorful, like riding motorcycles high speed through a city and like fighting people and running along walls, totally, like, it's so great. And like the whole, there's only like one track slash level that I didn't love in that game, but like just the way the the music and visuals all come together, like it's it's awesome. Like I would recommend just even if you don't play the game, listen to the soundtrack. Well, that's and, my controversial question: is if you sign up for Apple Arcade, you get the first month free. Yeah, is it? And then you can play Sinar Wild Hearts. Is it just worth it above yeah. and beyond that? Just to no, just to listen to the soundtrack. Oh, well, like, I mean, you can do it on Spotify. Yeah, you can do it on Spotify. Okay, but I mean, like, it's not a long game because it's yeah. like it's basically like that's their terminology, calling it a, a pop album. It's a pop song. Yeah. I think the full game you can get through in like two hours or so. Right, and it's it's like really good pace. Like it doesn't ever slow down. Um, there's not a lot of reading or narrative, so you'd probably really be into it. Mm, I mean, there's cool. narrative. They're just not <laughs> there is narrative. Not yeah, it's, it's not spoken <laughs> yeah. or anything. I, yeah. I almost had the, they have a cover of, of Claire de Lune on there. Yes. Which yeah. is a song that I think has, has gotten in my mind just because I think a lot of video games use it. I think The Evil Within it was also, also used it as uh, their, like, their safe point. It was recently used in uh, the Watchmen TV show, oh. which was like a weird moment of like, oh, it's that song from Sayonara. <laughs> 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 They're ripping them off. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I I, re I played through that game a couple times and I really enjoyed that soundtrack. Yeah. It's just finding the finding one that didn't feel so like well, you kind of have to play it to get the most out of it in, in yeah, the context. Right. And it is it was tough for me to pick one, yeah. but I think that song mine is is yeah. my favorite. Yeah, uh, nice. my favorite track. I started with Kingdom Hearts three, which was unexpected. My final track. I promised no one could ever guess <laughs> from right. the game, uh, a game that I did not play much of, but I see love in the comments every once in a while for Ace Combat Seven. Hmm. Ace Combat 7 came out this year. Sky's Unknown, as everybody knows. Uh, this song is called Charge Assault. For, for, uh, real quick. It's the first level in the game, by the way. Charge Assault, Ace Combat 7. Imagine being in a jet yeah. as you're hearing <laughs> that music. It's very Harry Gregson Williams, I realize, which is why I, was, I love it. <laughs> I was just about to say, it's very Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yes. And know. like that, that storyline is so dramatic, too. It's just like the perfect soundtrack throughout that entire game. 
Yeah. Uh, Early on, it definitely sounds like if Hans Zimmer composed the Stranger Things theme. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it yeah. sounds like it could okay. be like Batman yeah. music, for sure. And then it just builds to this whole other level. Yeah, but that's apparently... Uh, I'm going to blow it. Uh, Keiki Kobayashi, who also composed like Tekken 6, Street Fighter 5, and Star Fox Zero. Hmm. Star Fox Zero. All right. I need to go well, back and listen Band- to that Band- games, right? Yeah, exactly. Developed. Yeah, so it must be some sort of in-house composer for there. But Ace Combat 7. Also, uh, Daredevil from the soundtrack is very good, too. Um, Emily, any other judgments uh, for our tracks? I thought those those are all great. Oh, I, good. You know, I haven't <clears throat> played a lot of those games. I need to play Outer Worlds. I want to play Death Stranding. I haven't played either of those. Um, That's fine. So, yeah. No judgment here. Love it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your expertise. Yeah. Oh, of course. On all fronts. Uh, yeah. What would you like to plug? You have so many podcasts and radio shows and everything <laughs> under the sun. Oh, before you get to the plugs, though. Yeah. You've done radio for how long? Uh, it's been almost 15 years now. Yeah. What advice do you have for sounding better? Not technically, but you have such a good radio voice. When you hear mm. us talk, do you think, ah, this is what they're blowing? <laughs> no, not you guys. No. What's like the greatest radio tips you've learned about how to... Well, uh, be yourself is one of the hardest things. Well, actually, even because that's just cheesy, stupid advice that <laughs> we should always do anyway. Okay, so but, don't be yourself. Well, Got yeah, it. Don't be yourself. But um, w- one of the things I think um, uh, people tend to struggle with, especially on podcasts, is you know when you're talking to someone, you're talking to a person. Talk to a person. Don't say, hey, everyone, you know, blah, 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 because people like to feel – like you're, they're the like, sole focus. Yeah, they have the, the earbuds it's just in. One pre- they're the person listening to you. You know, right? It's not like a collective people in an auditorium or anything listening to you all at the That's same time. It's one person list. Even in radio, when when we know there are more than one person listening to you at a time, you still really just try and talk to one person, and it actually makes it easier to kind of then relax and kind of act naturally in conversation because if you can imagine yourself speaking to one person. You know. That's the most practical advice I've ever heard in my life. That's very go. helpful. Okay, uh, what would you like to plug? What, what uh, Rank your shows. Uh, well, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're all very important in very different ways, and uh-huh. they all allow me to follow musical loves in different ways. Um, my day job is I work at the jazz station in town, which is 88.5 for those in the Twin Cities. Yeah. And I do the morning show, so I'm on the air from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., Spinning some sweet hot jazz, uh, which I actually love and studied quite heavily in college. So I get to do that, for which is really fun. Um, And I do a lot of interviews on that show, which is super fun, too. I have some regular rotating guests. I get to talk to the state climatologist every Tuesday morning, which is super fun. (laughs) His name is Luigi, which is even better. Oh, that's the Uh, best. Luigi Romolo, state climatologist for Minnesota. Yep. Uh, Friend of the show. So that's super fun, (laughs) um, fun uh, radio gig. uh, And that is my 40-hour week uh, full-time, earlier than anyone should ever have to get up job. (laughs) I've been up since 345. Oh, my God. (laughs) Especially when we have crappy weather. Uh Um, And then I do two podcasts. I do Level with Emily Reese, which is the video game audio-themed show. A lot of interviews with the composers. Loads of interviews with composers and other people who create audio for games. And we have a Patreon. Level with Emily is on Patreon. I'm amazed you got patreon.com slash level. That's a good URL. Well, we've, we've been on there forever. Yeah. You know, we just are bad at it. <laughs> I mean, we're not bad. We publish a show almost every week. It's not that. It's just, you know, we're, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, patreon.com slash level is that. And then at patreon.com slash scores and pours is my other podcast, scores and pours, where I talk about classical music with a really great friend of mine who is a sommelier, which is a person who's like 
expert in wine and beer and spirits. And so we pick some kind of theme like, uh, you know, the ocean. How is the music depicted? How do, how do composers depict water in music? And I'll talk huh. about that. And then she'll talk about how vineyards by the sea, you can taste the salt in the wine because, I mean, the air evaporates and lands on, you know. Or we'll talk about we just recorded our New Year's Eve episode. So she talks about the history of sparkling wine and champagne and Prosecco and all of that. And, I and talk are you a about, couple bottles in at this point for recording? <laughs> Is that typically how it goes? Um, sometimes we'll get, sometimes we'll go so far as to drink a half a bottle, but half okay. the time she's spitting it out. I mean, she's, she mm. does it for a living. So while I will guzzle and be like, bleh, bleh, <laughs> she, she's pretty good about spitting it out um, because she often will then go on to some other appointment at some distillery or brewery and help sure. them choose their whatever. And so she's tasting that stuff all day, but scores and pours, it's super fun. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for swinging by the studio. Yeah. I should say the thanks basement. Thanks so much, really guys. Appreciate it was it. Yeah. Uh, awesome to hear a bunch of your music and, and get to see your setup, and I'm really happy for you. Yeah. Uh, be sure to let the world know when your Half-Life stuff is released. Will do. That's going to be yes. super exciting to hear. Yes, of course. Awesome. Great. All right, let's move on to some thanks. Hey, Jeff Rocky Faba, thanks for joining us. Hey. <laughs> Replacing Emily Reese. Welcome, That's sir. Right. Glad to have you. Um, you know what's coming up? The end of the month. Not only is it Thanksgiving today, but uh, end of the month is coming up, which means we've got a whole new wave of potential Patreon support, um, and things are going to be refreshing. I just wanted to remind people of the options, patreon.com slash minmax2ends. If you uh, support us at any level, you get access to the Discord, which I should do a better job of promoting to the public, because I think it is a great place. There's so many channels for every different game interest like someone started a parenting channel a place to meet up find people to to play games with it's uh shangri-la we i brought up uh there's a tabletop gaming channel in there i brought up that target had just one because we were talking about that Mm -hmm. they were going to have it on sale and then i went to target and it was the only game at target that was sold out and i was like do we have that many people in (laughs) minneapolis that they and then so i had to go to a different target and there was only i got the last copy at that target do you know what? So when word I, is out, my friend. When I bought that game, I I called my favorite tabletop shop here in Northeast, All Systems Go, and I said, hey, do you have any copies of just one left? It just won uh, the Spiel des Jahres? And the guy said, we have just one. They have just one left Beautiful. of just one, the game that May- just won <laughs> Spiel des Jahres. Maybe that's the marketing for it. They just send one copy to every <laughs> store. Very expensive. But, very fun. But um, other people were also uh, posting their pictures that they got. Oh, awesome. After listening to us. So it is a very lively place to chat and post pictures of yeah. stuff that you like. And that's the MinMax Discord. Support us on any level on Patreon. You get access to it um, in addition to being able to submit uh, questions or comments for the show and then exclusive content, audio feeds for a lot of YouTube videos and stuff like that. We just posted Min Snacks mm-hmm. yesterday. Serial, how did that go for you? It went, it was up and down in terms of the food that I ate, but I enjoyed <laughs> filming it and I had fun. Is that right? I, I'm very impressed because it was a tall order to be like, all right, cereal, and go. Eat s'mores on camera. And we're going to blindfold you and feed you mystery s'mores while three essentially strangers were over, mm-hmm. like helping out with it. And uh, you did a very good job. It's, Thank you. It is very funny. It is my favorite thing, favorite thing we've produced so far. I feel like we also learned a lot about cereal's eating habits. Well, that's the twist, is that you think it's a review show about s'mores and turns into a review show of cereal's life. So please yeah. check yeah. out Snacks <laughs> on our YouTube channel. Um, but I wanted to point out something that we don't think we've mentioned too much on the podcast, which is there is a Patreon tier where we'll play games with you. Um, and one person, one generous soul named Michael, has signed up for it. Um, and so it's like, okay, you can choose any of us to play a game for an hour 
uh, online. Let, let us know what you want to play. And so Michael supported us in a very generous way. So thank you to Michael. And then he's like, all I want to do, Hanson, is I want to play StarCraft 2 with you. And my heart melted. Like, out of any game, mm. I would love to play StarCraft 2 with a Patreon supporter. So a reminder, that's still out there for other folks if you want to sign up and support us in a big, bad way and then choose who you want to play with and what game we play. Uh, that's a really unique one that I don't think we've communicated enough. Um, otherwise, uh, $400 tier. Um, we will give you, your company, your little startup, whatever you want us to plug, we'll plug it. Um, like this, for example, beating down Brian. Uh, he's the man. He tweeted the other day a picture of his wonderful farm in Ireland of just a beautiful dog and a bunch of cows. It's like He has such a unique life. Beating down Brian, mm -hmm. check him out on Twitter. Also, Richard Mady, our first game developer who signed up to plug right. a game called To The Top. It's a VR platforming game that brings old school challenge with new school tech. Official PlayStation Magazine gave it a 9 out of 10. It's available now on PlayStation VR, Steam, and Oculus Home. And as Richard Mady insists <laughs> that we scream... To, to the, the top! With different cadences. Uh, honestly, thank you so much, Richard. I'm so glad that our first game that we're uh, plugging, uh, thanks to your support here, is not a stinker. So To the Top on VR. It yeah. came out a little while ago, but uh, it's still still out there and still looking very good. And in an episode where we talk about Half-Life VR, in my mind, not really, but in my mind, <laughs> it's Half-Life Alex, the number two, uh, to the top. Right. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Richard, for uh, supporting us in a big way. Yeah. Um, everybody else wrote in with some wonderful questions. Uh, we posted on Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax, two ends. Um, and everybody leaves some very smart uh, comments and questions along the way. So thanks, everybody, for writing in. We really appreciate it. First one, Yarrow writes in. The dangerous Yarrow says, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm currently thinking about moving to have a change of pace from small town living. I understand Minneapolis isn't the biggest city out there, but I feel like a city that size is appealing to me. I currently live in a town about one-eighth the size of Minneapolis. What are some things you guys like and don't like about living in Minneapolis? Great question. What I love what is... start with, yeah. I love uh, the Bauhaus Brewery, especially on uh, Monday, December 9th at 8 p.m. for the first Min-Max mm -hmm. Community Meetup. Uh, please swing by. We'll, we'll glad hand you something fierce. Um, I love the scale of Minneapolis. You see, like, oh, it's not the biggest city out there. It's like... How big do you need? It's got everything you need. It still feels like an underdog. I think that's probably my favorite thing, is I think it's a really great place to live, not too expensive, and I feel like, despite talking about it on a podcast, I feel like it's under the radar of just, like, it's not quite an Austin, you know, in terms of getting out there and drawing so much attention, but I feel like it, it's worthy of being damn near that level, right? It's just, like, I feel like the world underestimates how cool it is to live in Minneapolis. Also, we have nature here, which is nice. Hmm. Like, even in... In Northeast, you know, you you don't have to go f way out into the suburbs to actually see trees and have parks and stuff like that. It's Number one like, biking city everywhere. in the States. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. awesome. Uh, what, yes. I, I was going to go on to dislikes. Please. Oh, there's a free zoo here, which is always my like. Yeah. Quick, I really like, hate the free zoo. <laughs> That's <laughs> No, I wanted to get in a, a, a good Liberate thing. Liberate the monkeys. I want to get a good thing in. I yeah. just, that, always, that blew my mind when I first moved here, that there was a zoo and it's free. Yeah, crazy. Como the zoos, the walking trails, everything like that is yeah. very nice. Now, what do what, you hate? The thing that I did not like today was uh -huh. having to shovel out all of our cars because yeah. we got the first snow. Which I feel like we can't even complain about it too much because it's almost the end of November. Yeah, which any time that you make it this far into November without 
breaking your back shoveling is probably a good sign. Oh, yeah. I feel and like the trade-off is that we end up getting snow later into yes. the season. So. Yes, that is definitely. The seasons are basically just But I'm so happy Winter it snowed, is here now. But. It snowed before Thanksgiving, and I love that. I, I hate having just a dead brown Thanksgiving. Yeah. Or I want, Christmas. Oh, that's, that's the, worst. the worst. It does not feel like Christmas. Uh, Christopher Reardon writes in and says, if you looked in the Capture album on one of your consoles, what percentage of photos would be mistakes because you hit the wrong button? <laughs> uh, on Switch, a lot on probably Switch, yeah. Five percent, uh, probably higher, especially if you're really? using a pro controller. That's I what he says. That. He says yeah. for Switch, my it's about forty percent oopsies playing with the pro controller. Yeah, I'd probably oopsies. like twenty. I'd probably say twenty percent. Yeah. Know. What is in your uh, photo gallery for systems other than the Switch? Uh, a lot of glitches. I we had uh, a, we had a game enforcer joke that a couple of years ago that that button that we ju- it just got renamed to the capture glitch button cuz that's that's the main thing people use it for is yeah. just capture like i was even when they first announced it i remember the marketing was like they had xbox uh, what, what was what Xbox record that? Xbox record that, and they had a, a video of like these two guys like playing Call of Duty, and they like experienced this amazing set piece moment, and they looked at each other, and they're like, "Whoa, Xbox record that!" And I'm like, "No <laughs> one's recording cutscenes. Like no. they're recording stupid uh, stuff that happens, and I love it for that." It Especially like, now, because like they 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 give you the uh, the oh you can't record this, you can't record right now in yeah. cutscenes, so it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is the like super damning compilation of a buggy game. <laughs> exactly. yes. yeah. There were a couple times when I did that with like Homefront when I was reviewing it where it's like you know I was like investigative journalist like I have to record all of this and like lay it out. Yeah. It makes it very easy to shine a light on the bad stuff. But I also do I take a lot of pictures now in just when a game is very, you know, like visually stunning and mm-hmm. stuff like that, it's like instead of just stopping to look at the skybox, I will also snap a picture because they're huge, you know, very nice looking pictures. That's true. Maybe we can make a show about it later, Kyle. Uh, mm. But with the Nintendo Switch, I found myself, it's just so easy. I will hit that all the time just for like, because I want to take a trip down Nostalgia Lane of like, oh, that's right, this section in Pokemon. Like anytime there's like something odd that I think I'm going to forget about and how different it is for a game on Switch, mm. I'll just spam that button. I'll smash that button. Yeah, Pokemon has also where you can record 30 seconds of footage, which is nice. I never Not use all that. games do it's that. It's so consistent, though. It's yeah. like some, some Smash you can. Yeah, which some is like first-party games even. Yeah, yeah. The Smash yeah. Brothers should be like the one. I don't know. Yeah. Also with the accidental pictures, though, mm-hmm. are the ones that uh, like the automatically I'm going to take a picture because of your trophy. You, you know, oh, like you've got a yeah, trophy. It's a always like you go back in it and it's like, this is just a black screen with a little bar <laughs> yep, up yep, here yep. that says it's taking a picture. Ah, like, uh, the memories. I actually yes. framed that. <laughs> uh, Steve Bam Dad. Bam Dad says, with Link's Awakening coming out this year and let's go Pikachu Eevee last year, assuming Nintendo continues this trend, which there's nothing to indicate they will, what original Game Boy games would you like to see get the same treatment in 2020? P.S. I hope it's Wario Land 2. Hmm. What a very specific a, a request. Tetris remake. You know? oh, with the, but with the new art style where all the Tetris pieces look like dolls or whatever. Dolls. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dioramas. Mm. You know? I, yeah, I, I, I think I'd love to see like a Mario Land. Mario Land 1. Mario Land. Be like faithful to how weird that Freaky game is. Freaky as yeah. hell. Like yeah. don't just use the the recent new Super Mario Brothers art and like right. remake those levels. Like it needs to look way different than yep. the modern art. And, and it, just have like an orchestral version of that soundtrack which is one of the best Mario soundtracks of all time yeah. I think. But if it just looked like the, uh, the clay cover of Nintendo Power where they had like yeah, Mario on the sure. cover and it just looks it's very the stop motion colors, right? Yeah. 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 I'd be into that. Yeah. Uh, fun fact the theme 
for uh, the Minmax show, the one that Grant Kirkhope uh, generously uh, composed. Uh, when asked for examples of what he wanted, of what we wanted it to sound like, I sent him Mudo Kingdom from Super Mario Land because mm. I love that track so much. I'm like, not 8-bit, but something like this. So if you can hear any connection there, that was the one track that I sent him was Mudo Kingdom. Um, let's see. They could remake a game which I just bought off Amazon to hopefully stream at some point, which is the Animorphs uh, Game Boy <laughs> game uh, in the back mm. there. That'll Doesn't be fun. It? Isn't there something cool about that? It's like Pokemon-ish, right? It's a Pokemon clone oh, that, for Game Boy crazy. Color, and I've never played it. I can't I, wait I to like, I know he said Wario Land 2, but I'm a big Wario Land 1 guy. Uh, I would love to see Wario Land 1. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers. Let Super Mario Land 3 colon Wario Land. <laughs> they should just have the... Ugh. I was going to say they should make the Mario Land trilogy as the remake, but then that gets confusing because yeah. then... One of them's Wario Land. Right, and then that starts the... Quadrilogy? Then it's the Yoshi's Island mm-hmm. debate all over again. Yeah, 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 Wait, hold, hold on a second. You yes, skimmed sir. over the part of the Animorphs game where you're capturing people <laughs> Humans. who turn into animals? No, you're touching the... No, the entire point is you touch the animal, then you can become the animal. So it's like... I, uh-huh. The way I imagine it works is that you go up and fight a tiger or whatever. And then you touch it. Who is a person. Touch it. And one of the options is touch it. <laughs> Okay, so you're fighting a human being who's transformed into a tiger. No, you're, you're in- it's like an actual tiger, and you're an animorph. When oh, you touch okay. the tiger, you can become the tiger. But you're still going out and fighting animals for the purposes of. We don't have to them? kill them. You just got to touch them. <laughs> can you touch a person and then turn into that person? Um, I don't remember. I know for sure that an alien. An Andalite touches a human, and then he can turn into a human. But I don't know if you can do the but same is it, species. is it that exact person? Are you like a clone of that person yes. at that point? I would love Correct. to see the cover of an Animorphs book that was one person, and it does the fade <laughs> into another person. What does that exist? That's can basically you, an app at this point, can right? Can you stock up an Animorphs? Can you just keep touching a million animals and just yeah. have like a database? Of, yep, you have to send, oh. Do you have to send them to a PC? You do. Your we'll find out when we okay. potentially stream the Animorphs game. No, there's game no right. other way. We have to ask you these questions now. <laughs> no. James Smith to. says, hey, Minnie Mousers. By the way, I know that Mike is a problem. Hey, Minnie Mousers, uh, what has been the most devastating video game cancellation for you? Games like Star Wars 1313. Oh, we just took another look at that. Mm. Scalebound and Starcraft Ghost were taken from us too soon. But which one hurt each of you the most? Relive your suffering for our amusement. You got it, James. Perfect. Uh, I have one. Uh, devastating is too strong a word, but there was uh, EGM had like a big E3 roundup one year, Electronic Game Monthly, and they had a like a thumbnail, very small screenshot of a Cowboy Bebop game, oh. and it was like Spike Spiegel like just doing a kick, and I looked at it and it's like, on, if I'm being honest, like it's not like I looked at it and I thought, wow, that's going to be an amazing game. Mm-hmm. It was just that I was at like peak Cowboy Bebop fandom. And I was like, I would love a, to play a Spike Spiegel, and then that game just evaporated. I've never seen anything mm. else. It was it was officially canceled at some point, but in terms of like screenshots and stuff like that, I've only seen that one that was in EGM print. Huh. I, I don't think I know you're googling it right now, but I don't think I've ever even found that screenshot online. Oh really? No, yeah. I was looking. I never checked out a Cowboy Bebop game. They had a PlayStation game and a PlayStation Two game. It might, I wonder if it was that game that the PS2 game there that yeah. maybe they were bringing it to America, and the cancellation was that it never got localized. Maybe mm. so. Maybe maybe I should. Like I should go play it. Like, yeah, that's a very good wrong answer, Kyle. Yeah, please take <laughs> uh, it. Take it away. Correct answer is Rockstar's agent, right? Mm, Even right. though it's, it hasn't officially been canceled, but I so wanted to play a spy Rockstar game that I just a, fantasized was going to be like an amazing open world Grand Theft Auto game, but with spies, mm-hmm. you know, and gadgets and all that stuff that they probably wouldn't put in anyway. But yeah, that is that's that a rough one. Cool. I think for me, it's still StarCraft Ghost. 
Yeah, totally. So I like the idea of here's this world that you've only imagined is like, because the scale of all the different units is very strange. Where it's like, here's what is in cutscenes this ginormous robot that is scaled down to not be that much bigger than a marine, and seeing what the actual scale of all the the units was and what the interiors of a lot of the buildings were like. That was really cool seeing that that story in Game Informer. Yeah, uh, and then you know hearing that it got canceled was huge bummer. It's such a double whammy then this year when Jason Schreier over Kotaku revealed that they were making a. Another first-person StarCraft mm-hmm. game that was like Battlefield that also got canceled. Oh, my God. I just want to see it. Just I want them one. to do something new. Um, Grizzled Gaming says, Hi, gents. I started a Minmax PlayStation community, mm-hmm. and PX Sausage started a Minmax Xbox Club. It's pretty easy to get lost in the shuffle on Discord, so we were hoping you might give them a plug to help get the word out uh, to the greater community. Just search Minmax to ends, of course, on either platform. At the moment, they are the only result. So if you see the logo and Hanson's smiling face, which is a PlayStation exclusive, that's it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you can only smile on PlayStation now, right? That's true. Oh. I think that's how it works. Now, we're pretty good at just exhausting all possible dumb puns and, and jokes here, but Muffin Crumbs writes in and says, Do you Ben Reeves in Life After Love? <laughs> which is something I don't think I've ever considered. Okay. I, yeah. You know, I, I just, I really don't think I'm strong enough <laughs> for that. Uh, I really don't think Imran Khan enough. <laughs> uh, Shuffle Guy says, Dear Ben and community, two ends. Um, how do NDAs work? I get that you can't spoil talk about all the stuff in the game until a certain point, but how is it written down in reality? I think, I mean, for to to talk about it a little bit, like, a lot of it is less formal than you might imagine. Like for reviews and stuff, it's it's less of like a sign this legal document and more of a look. Don't talk about the game. You know, like make sure that you're following along with these guidelines. But typically, it's like the email that sends you the code. Yeah, it'll from have PR. like red it'll... text. Don't talk about it until like yeah. eight eight a.m. Pacific, which is ten p.m. or ten a.m. our time. Uh, and they'll they'll have like various like don't stream. Until this date, don't talk. You can say you have the game during this date, and then you can talk about your full review at this point. Please yeah. don't spoil things until you know a couple days later or whatever. Here's Please. the score you should give it. <laughs> right. Don't talk about anything about after chapter whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they'll say something like that. Occasionally you'll get one that's like. These are spoilers that you shouldn't mention. And then it's like, well, I'm just not going to read that because yeah. I'm just starting to review it. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? But and sometimes do it'll this be weird restrictions about, like, don't tell people about this item. And it's like, that's the double jump. Like, why would you, who? And the king, yeah. obviously, is Nintendo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the NDAs with Nintendo are complicated. Insane. Yeah. Like, specifically, like, Link's Awakening or remakes. Well, I, you know, it's is, funny. I never, I didn't see Link's Awakening. So. Oh, it's yeah. like mm. they like don't talk about the ending of the game. Don't reveal these things about Link's Awakening. It's like, so then how do you talk about it on the podcast? Like, obviously, we don't want to go out everywhere to spoil it, but it's like, if you want to talk about something that they NDA to be like, boy, I remember in the original game it was mm-hmm. like this. You yeah. know, it's like it, there's so many stupid loopholes or like, Pokemon. their video stuff is also really weird too. Where yeah. It's like you can't you can't have more than like X number of. Like length of of individual clips, so you have to string a bunch of them together instead of like. And hey, they, here's I think it's been whittling it down. Where it's like clips have to be shorter than five minutes, and then there's some where it's like they can be thirty seconds of continuous footage. Where it's like, well, what does that mean? Can I take yeah. a two second break in between these? It's just a mess. It's very yeah. It's always more complicated than yeah. it probably needs to be because we're happy to abide by like don't talk about anything up to this point. Yeah, like, that's all we need really. But yeah, Nintendo goes super in detail. They're having a good time over there. No <laughs> doubt about it. Um, let's see. Two Button Crew TBC says, what is one modification to a game controller that you would pay $20 to have done? Oh, see, I didn't... The, the way you pitched it on, on in the Slack channel was that, like, here's a small mod that you made to your controller. 
Um, but I've paid a lot of money to like uh, dual mod my hitbox, which was a th- so basically lay to play on every console, and that's a thing that I did at Evo, which is really cool to do. But uh, that was like the big one that I spent a lot of money on. And that. what is the hitbox? Uh, the hitbox is like a, a if you imagine an arcade stick, except you replace the actual stick with four buttons, mm. and so it's sort of mapped to where uh, the if you remember like being able to press spacebar to jump. It's that's where the up button is, so it's very like a, a, a PC centered layout, and it works right. really well. Huh. And so that's what helps you cheat at fighting games. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. a turbo button. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You disgust me. The one you've brought up a lot. How much would you pay to get a headphone jack on the the Switch <laughs> Pro controller? I, you know, I twenty dollars sounds about right. Honestly, <laughs> if I could give give it to some guy and say like, hey, for twenty bucks, I will put a headphone jack into this thing. Yeah, absolutely, I, I would do that. We had like a game informer. We were lining up an interview with Reggie. Fizeme, and and I remember you jokingly being like, "Can you please ask him to get a headphone jack?" On <laughs> yes, the that's controller. Like, that controller is like surprisingly, uh, it's maybe it's the best controller, controller they've made like yeah. in, in the modern era. But like the fact that that ga- that thing does not have a headphone jack, that's like the only piece of functionality it ha- it doesn't have, yeah. and it's like Funny. crazy because like the the fact that they are they're like either you do it wirelessly or you have to plug in a thing in the console, like a headphone jack in the console, and expect to be able to play it, to listen to it on a TV, that's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why would you do, like, do they not, yeah. They should do that. They should have a release a version okay. of that controller. Okay. For $20, I would love to take, like, the dog head, this basic switch grip, and just just move it out, like, three inches. Yeah. Just to the width of a PS4 controller, because it's, I don't mind that thing. I don't have a pro controller. But mm. which is insane, I realize. But like, it's just a little too cozy, a little too tight. There's the uh, the Hori. Well, it only works on the the actual thing. But there's like a Hori pad that makes it that basically puts half of a Xbox size controller on each side. Oh, I have which the, is a the, little big. But... The Satisfy grip. Yeah, when I'm yeah. playing handheld, it is amazing. Like yeah. I. I think it feels so good and so i almost prefer to play that just for comfort it's better than playing with the dog yeah. head you know i mean i there's also like a ton of like gamecube basically if you want to play with a gamecube controller on the switch yeah you can do that like i think i have one i got the usb but, thingy so mm, if i wanted okay. to do that i could do that <laughs> um bob mule simple question who is the best batman all performances are eligible best batman um catwoman catwoman i mean i like kevin conroy and christian bale Okay, now I don't look. I love Kevin Conroy. Don't take this the wrong way, but he's dinged a little bit in this criteria. Just it, oh. he has an easier job performing Batman sure. than a film he, star, right? Yeah, I mean, he was one of the first to kind of treat uh, Batman as like two separate characters. Mm. You know what I mean? And Bruce Wayne, which is kind of interesting, like to really lean into that a lot. I mean, I guess well, Keaton I mean, did Keaton, too, but I mean, yeah, yeah he's like he's I mean, kind of like just Keaton an oddball both ways, which you know, is what's fun. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't think it's controversial, but I'm really excited to see Robert Pattinson as Batman. I think, really? I think, like when that was announced, I was like, "That sounds great." I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I think that's gonna be. What awesome. about him? Uh, I think he's just like, um, he's just kind of that. Like he's taking that Leonardo DiCaprio route of acting, of just like, uh, I did this like big crowd pleasing thing. I have a lot of fans, young fans, but like I'm, I'm just gonna do what I want and be an oddball and like play crazy people in movies. And I think he's a really good actor. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited for that movie. Every the every, Irishman. Uh, what was that the Irishman? The uh, the Batman. I think it's called. Is it called the Batman? Yeah. Okay. I, I think thought so. it was called the Irishman. The Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> it's out on Netflix. Who's the best Irishman? Uh, oh, oh gosh, good. where do you start? The guy uh, f- from American Gods. No, it's the Lucky Charms guy. Oh, yeah. His name is Kyle. His Hilliard. performance <laughs> made me cry. Uh, I. 
I don't know. Like, I, I think I do like Kevin Conroy a lot. And I kind of like Robert Pattinson just because he looks like the, um, the I don't remember his name, but the kid who stars as Batman in Batman Beyond. He kind of reminds oh, me of Terry him. Oh, Terry McGinnis. Mm. Yeah. 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 He kind of reminds me of that. But uh, I don't know. I guess I haven't watched a lot of, like, the old school Batman. Yeah. So. Because there's like Michael Keaton is like where my cutoff point is, and then before that it's just like Adam West, I guess. I'm kind of I'm like maybe I'm a weird. I even thought Ben Affleck was a pretty solid Batman. Even the movie I, wasn't I, great. I didn't mind but, him at all. Yeah, I, I think I mean like Val Kilmer and George Clooney are not great, but I feel like everyone else has done good performances as that character. Yeah, you're just, you're just a bat. I just remember yeah, exactly. Uh, on Kevin Conroy, he might get his due, and I'll take it all back because he has he's actually playing a live action Batman. That's in, right. Yeah. On uh, the CW, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they're bringing in like Brandon cool. Routh to be a different version of Superman and stuff. Like, mm. so just pulling all that stuff. Like, I've never. I've watched a couple episodes of The Flash, even though I didn't understand who the character was. <laughs> uh, but like that's about it. But like I do kind of want to watch that big crossover. Yeah. It seems yeah. super fun. Did you see that scene where he's reading a Sonic comic book? <laughs> no, that yeah. sounds great. The crossover we all deserve. And finally, something I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that you... hedgehog, I can relate to that guy. He wants to go uh, fast, he, and so do I. He's got Tood, and he likes chili dogs. <laughs> hey, speaking of Tood, uh, Remy Bach writes in and says, what about calling your supporters tunes? As in better than Edgar mm. Vasquez's two ends, which is a disaster. Mm. I think but he said tuners, right? Tuners. Yeah, tunes is not bad. Like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I, it's exactly what I'm going for. Yeah, because yeah. like you know, minions. I like that's catching on. At the same time, something about like calling people who support you, who are technically giving us life, like our <laughs> minions, feels gross to me. So in my uh, mind, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, what if we flip that and we were the minions and then they were the ministry? You know. The ministry. Yeah. But then, but then well. you call them all ministers, which gets very confused. Because then mm. it's like, oh, so where does this thing? I was like, oh, you know, I like to call myself a minister. <laughs> like, mm. well, you can't just call yourself that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, Someday. Good job, Tunes. Uh, Chris Bartlett says, hi, MinMax. What is your sweet spot for game length at an RPG? Some of my favorite RPGs are 100-hour epics, yet I found myself avoiding Persona 5 since it came out, Since it, even though it's right up my alley, because I know it's insanely long and it's hard to fit in my gaming schedule. What is the sweet number for an RPG? a great question. The Dream Quest 11, I think I beat it in 55 hours and mm-hmm. that was on the shorter end because I didn't even do all the post-game stuff and that was that surpassed my my tolerance even at 55. I think like 35 hours is a real sweet spot for an RPG. 30-40. 30-40. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that it depends. I'm willing to go longer if it's more focused on story as opposed to the open world kind of format where mm. it's just like okay, you can do everything, and realistically, I'm just never going to finish it because it's so long. But if it's kind of a more directed, like, Mass Effect experience, then I could, I would be willing to go longer on that. You yeah. Know? I feel yeah. like the structure has a lot to do with it, whereas I think if, it, if like Fava said, the structure is very open of, like, oh, here, you're kind of here, and it's up to you to figure out where to go, I think that I have, a, like, a shorter tolerance for that than, like, Persona 5 and, and even Fire Emblem are, are games where... You, you're not like doing one thing for a long time uh, aside from battles there is it's very much cut up into a, a lot of very tiny pieces where in persona you're like okay now I'm gonna do this on this day and now I'm gonna do this on this day so it makes it feel like it's going by a lot faster than it might otherwise would yeah uh, and same thing with fire emblem where you're you're going through the months and it's like okay I did my weekly thing and now I'm gonna advance a couple of days and everyone's gonna learn so yeah uh Travis layman you ready for this mm-hmm. he says no comment just sending love from Travis in Las Vegas so Chill. You all want nice. to take a moment just yeah. to appreciate the love just that Travis eyeing. is sending? Nice, Travis. Am I the only one who closed my eyes? No, no I'm closing my eyes. We're supposed to close no, our you eyes. weren't. I will now. 
Oh, he did close his eyes. That's good. I mm. cheated. Good job, Travis. <laughs> um, do you ever... Um, never mind. Probably not. <laughs> DBRG13. Dr. Dr. Big. This is a humdinger. I don't know why this one hit me so hard. Hey, Min Max Henchman. Thank you. I have a very anticlimactic story for you. So a couple weeks ago, I went to Comic-Con in San Antonio. My main reason for being there was to get a photo op with Rob Whitehoff. Whitehoff. Somebody you know? Um, Arthur Morgan? The voice of John Marston. Marston. That was close. Mm. When I was allowed into the booth, I was able to talk with him for a bit due to being the last person in line. Aside from telling him how big of a fan I was, I mentioned a podcast that my friends were starting up called MinMax. We are your friends, Dr. Big. (laughs) I couldn't tell if he was genuinely intrigued or if he's just an incredibly nice guy. I was about to ask him if he could do a fun little intro for MinMax as I pulled my phone out of my pocket, but a staff member yelled to me that there were no phones allowed. When I was leaving the booth, he apologized and told me, good luck on the podcast. It would have been a pretty cool surprise. I think he was just being very nice to you, but that's yeah. very sweet for you. Yeah, to... it's, it's cool. It's a good story. Imagine John Marston, the character, I'm just presuming, yeah. has heard of MinMax. How fun is that? Yeah. That is cool. And he says, good luck on the podcast. I think we all know what that sounds like. So really, one of your best, John Marston. No, I, I don't. Do like, I feel like my, my impersonation of him would sound very raspy, but that's not yeah. the right take. It's always like it, a half yell, so it's like a "Good luck on the podcast," right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, right? that was pitch perfect. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I think, good. I think that was good. All right, I think you nailed it. I don't think we can do any better. Really, than that. Trevor, just like that house. <laughs> Trevor Corbin <laughs> says minions. I finished up Fallen Order this past weekend. I had a ton of fun with the game, but I found myself becoming very frustrated toward the end of the game, specifically with some of the last few bosses. My main frustration came from the fact that I was only able to heal three times during those encounters, which led to a lot of deaths. I noticed in a video that Serial posted to Twitter that he had 10 healing items, and I realized I had completely forgotten about the fact I could get more healing items Mm -hmm. by searching chests. Do any of you have similar experiences where you forgot or completely neglected a game mechanic that made the game a lot more frustrating, less fun than it should have been? Real quick, I, I do want to say that it, that specific problem was think, something that I had until the last few hours of the game because the game does not – the game very much with, withholds a lot of those towards the back half until, mm. like, there's a point in the game where I was following the main line and you end up getting, like, three in a row very quickly, like, without having to do any real backtracking. And then the rest you do have to go. But the, he is – there's definitely, like, that rough period where they deny you a lot of that stuff unless yeah. you go looking for it. But Gotcha. And but we should point out we have a Max Spoilers episode hosted by Jeff. I'm all about Jedi Fallen Order on our YouTube channel. Or if you're a supporter on Patreon, for $5, I you can listen to it. Somehow. That's the face of a guy who did something. Yes, that's that's it, confidence, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always think back to Mass Effect 1, not realizing that, how is it, that the Mako has a rocket launcher, I think it was. Like, I was just using the machine gun in the Mako for those pretty crappy uh, sequences where you have to, like, go around and shoot things. And it just took forever, and it was so lame. Because, it, you know, they popped it up on the screen probably, and I just missed it because I'm very stupid. Yeah. And so trying to finish all that with just the machine gun sucked. It, uh, it didn't detract. It didn't make the game worse by any means, but because it was Resident Evil, and it was Resident Evil 4, every time I picked up a gem or a diamond or something along those lines, I was like, okay, this is probably something I need to slot into a door at some point mm. to open it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it wasn't until the very end of the game that I realized I could sell all that stuff. And then, like, so I was able to finish the game with, like, this just this just this massive amount of ammo and weapons that I acquired like during the last like two or three hours of the That's game. That's so satisfying. You know? But uh, it, it, it didn't make the it just it almost made the rest of the game like more scary and fun because ammo was more scarce for yeah. me. You know? My uh, answer which I think I've talked about in our first Jedi conversation is just 
I'm very bad when games give you the option to parry stuff. It's not that I don't know that the system's there, but I just right. don't engage in it a lot. Yeah. If I have both a parry and a dodge, I always lean into the dodge. And, you know, if there are one-hit attacks that you can do on enemies, like those stupid spiders in Star Wars, like I just never, you know, really figure that out. And make, it makes it much harder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, went, I went through most of Bloodborne without really using guns much. And you kind of need them for a couple of bosses. Like I, I beat Father Gascon with by using the gun, but after that, it it didn't feel really natural. It felt like you have to implement it in your game plan. So I went most of that game without using without using guns. And then at the end, like most of the tips that I was getting about bosses were like, you should be using guns <laughs> more often. So. Uh, Tim Laro, does Sony name its next console after the PlayStation Five? Yeah, this is what this is what the kids are talking about. Is forget the PlayStation Five, but the next console? Do they name it the PlayStation Six? At what point does the number get too high? I think Sony will have to pivot to future proof or something. You know, I, I think it'll be PlayStation Six, but I don't think they're wrong to say that the number will be too high. I feel like Sony will get nervous if they're getting into like double digits and stuff. But I bet at the PlayStation Two they would have said PlayStation Five is too high. We would have changed it. But then when you get to that point, it's like, all right, come yeah. up with something better. Mm-hmm. They I don't think they ever will. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think they've established the precedence here, uh, where any- calling it anything else would be like the equivalent of like, oh, this is a different machine. It's not the next version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, like, oh, is this your VR thing? Is this your like 3D thing? Is it is it some offshoot of the PlayStation brand versus like PSX? Okay, we you very clearly communicated that this is the next iteration of that platform. Yeah, yeah. it's like the Wii U situation where it's like, what is this? You know, yeah. is it a side grade that I'm getting? Everyone mm. thought that you bought the tablet. And yeah. used it with your Wii and right. those problems. Uh, there was a story in October of Sony filing trademarks for PlayStation 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Because they obviously have to get to 9 because that was the commercial for the PlayStation 2 where it's like mm. orb on the highway or So whatever. 11 is the cutoff. They're not going to. That's right. Okay. 11 is right Because they're going to be like, everyone's going to think it's PlayStation 1, 1. Mm-hmm. We can't have that. I think, God, wasn't there something where I think Shuhei Yoshida said that they're like, oh, this won't be the, the PlayStation 5 won't be the last PlayStation generation. Like, it's always nice to hear that confirmation. Oh, sure. Like, things will mm-hmm. go on, even if it is a confusing streaming box. Just call <laughs> the PlayStation, which, you know, if Xbox does it first, which I think mm-hmm. they will. I think the next call one it, will be called I Xbox. think they're going to call it Xbox. Betamax yeah. 2. Exactly. Um, Tim. HD DVD. <laughs> oh, boy. Look and Tim sound perfect. Conlon says, hey, minis, minions, or whatever. Uh, with Disney Plus, I'm rewatching The Simpsons and it has some of the best running gags. Milhouse saying, my glasses, when he gets hurt. Homer being too excited to speak correctly, a la Trimbopoline, or Skinner's Vietnam monologues, to name a few. What are some of your favorite running jokes in shows, movies, or games? Mm. Best running jokes. I mean, Arrested Development's got a lot. They're the king of it, kind of. Right, and then uh, they her. really stabbed you through the heart with it in seasons four and five. Yeah, we all remember watched season this, five, right? Do you remember? <laughs> Did you watch season five? I watched half of it. That's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? It's pretty telling, because I love Arrested Development so much. But, Man, yeah. that's sad. Yeah. So I'm sorry. No, that's fine. It's for me uh, personally, this is a weird one, and it's it's almost to the point now where it's uh, become too saturated and everybody knows it. But just in terms of like recurring things that'll always delight me to no end, is Paul Rudd and Conan. Yeah, I, that showing was, the Mac. That's what me. I was gonna say, and I thought I, I misread that for some reason. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. I wasn't thinking of gags on like sitcoms or mm-hmm. anything yeah. like that. But yes, that is the. 
premier example. And and every time I'm just delighted that <laughs> yes. he's... Because yeah. like the, the last time he did it, it was on Conan's new kind of show. Right. You know, and he's plugging Netflix stuff. And so it's like, maybe, you know, this is just a new era for Paul Rudd. Right. Because he, he has gotten so much more successful, you know, in like the past year. And so it's like, maybe he's moved on. Oh, no, he hasn't moved on. I love it. He talks perfect. about the Conan interview for Conan's podcast. Yeah, he like talks about like the only person that... that that broke him from that streak was Judd Apatow. Yeah. He was like, please, please show a clip from This Is 40, please. Like, I love that Marvel couldn't do it, but, like, Judd Apatow was like, all right, mm-hmm. I, I, will, mean, I will show this clip from This Is 40. Honestly, like, I think it was a bad move on Judd Apatow to, like, to I know. do it that way because it's like, I, I, what, I, I watched that recent clip to what he was promoting um, Living With Yourself, mm-hmm. I think. By the way, like, I love that on YouTube they don't spoil it either. Yeah. Like, it just says, like, Paul Rudd yeah. has a clip from his new show. I wouldn't have watched that. As much as I like Paul Rudd, I wouldn't have sought out that clip to watch yeah. online if it was yeah. just like, yeah, here's a clip from my show. Mm-hmm. Right. We should probably say that his gag is that he, <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever he's whatever he's hawking and going to show a clip of, he just shows a clip from Mac and Me instead where a kid in a wheelchair gets pushed down a hill and it careens off of a cliff yeah. and like into the water and the kid dies or something. Well, then my favorite part is then it ends with the alien going, oh, and yeah. sticking his head this up and looking around. Weird, creepy little alien pops up at the end. Which for um, living with yourself, he did it, but it was two aliens yeah, because it right. was like the clone. Oh, oh, I didn't watch that one. There we go. It's very fun. It's a good uh, show, by the way. Living with yourself. Oh, Paul really? Rudd's amazing. He's yeah. the best. Yeah, I just listened to Blank Jack's commentary for Endgame, in particular the Avengers film. Mm. And you forget, like Paul Rudd is so good in that film and so crucial, and just on, in every scene he just brings it down to this awesome human level while still being so funny. Like remember that yeah. scene? I forgot how funny it is where. Thor, remember he's drunk and he's explaining the plot basically to Thor in the dark world or whatever. Mm. Like about like, okay, and then, you know, the time stone or whatever was in my girlfriend, yada, yada, yada. And everyone's just bored because he's going on and on about the dark elves and just cuts to Ant-Man. He's just like <laughs> riveted like <laughs> on the edge of his seat about Thor telling this story. <laughs> so funny. Uh, JT says, what nerds? Hey, uh, ben, yeah, I, I think I'm proud to be a nerd. I consider myself a dork. I think more than a nerd. No, it's geek, right? Everyone's geek? happy to be a geek now. Is that what it is? I think so. I think but dork it, is like a geek with just awkward physically, which is why I go to that. Oh, and mm. you're proud of that. Proud of okay. it. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, "I was fortunate enough to watch yours and Mi- and Jeffum's uh, Jurassic Park walkthrough video. Mm. This is Jurassic Jurassic Dreams on our YouTube channel, and could not believe how quickly you effed up in the beginning." <laughs> I was lolling for sure. If anyone hasn't seen it yet, please do. Secondly, I need to know how you, the biggest Jurassic Park fan in the world, could not comprehend (laughs) how the command center and the vent escape room were the same room Uh, in Jurassic Park. I don't know if it's just been a while since I've seen this film, but the the basic premise was this Jurassic Dream. I know, I have. But in Jurassic Dream, they recreated uh, the island, right? Basically, you can wander around Jurassic Park, go through the visitor center, stuff like that. And as you're exploring, like, it's fun to try and figure out the layout. And then it's like, Okay, well, here's the room where they crawl up in the vent at the end to avoid the velociraptors, and she does the Unix system. I know this. Got it. Got it. And then you're like, well, yeah, it's on Nedry's computer. And I was like, what? No. Yeah, it is absolutely on Nedry's computer. JT's wondering how I figured that out. I went back, looked at the clip, and it's like, yeah, it's very clear. They have, like, the Oppenheimer picture, which is on Nedry's computer, also on the computer that she's hacking with. But there's Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. – maybe I need to go back and watch it again just to make sure that I'm not insane. But there's some way that it's shot. I think it's just – all the shots of the command center just from are, a from, different angle or something? are from the back, looking towards the front, looking towards all the screens, right? And then that scene, the camera is the other angle, so you can see the door, and you can see Ellen and Alan, like, 
Ellie and Ellie, like, pushing against the door, right? And so maybe that's what threw me off. But in my mind, yeah, I, I don't know how I blew that. And I'd like to apologize uh, on behalf producer. of Jurassic Park. Thank you for apologizing. It's very embarrassing. Um, let's see. Kane Dietzel says, hey, guys, with the rumors of the Resident Evil 3 remake coming next year um, and Cable 4 concept, oh, Fable 4 concept art mm. leaks. Did you see those, by the way? I did. I seems like there was up. some debate where it's like, oh, just kind of like research from the 16th century is like the one thing that yeah, is from I think Playground. The artist came back and said that it was, it had a pretty clear like excuse for it, like not necessarily being Fable or like they weren't, they it was were just, just research. Like, yeah, it was just but then, research. But there was something that came out of that as well. Yeah, about, yeah. And by the way, yeah, I believe it to be Fable concept art. For 100%. Like yeah. I was in Guilford not too long ago for the Dreams Cover story and it seems like everyone's on the, on the, in the loop that, like, clearly this is what Playground's working on. Yeah. But anyways, um, Kane Dietzel says, I started thinking about franchises that I want a sequel to, specifically Too, hum- too Human. I love mm. the way that the game came out, and it was extremely sad not to see any sequels. My question is, what gaming franchise that is no longer around do you wish had more entries? Uh, I wish Advent Rising, Rising had gotten a few sequels. That's like, the chair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an interesting story, and it ends with a big cliffhanger. But uh, I think that chair is a little busy now. I don't think they're going <laughs> to rush back to the Advent Rising Working universe. Working on Fortnite. <laughs> no, when are yeah. they going to work on Spy Jinx again? Remember that J.J. Yeah. Abrams game? What about Shadow Complex 2? The rumor right. is they laid out the whole map. Yeah, okay. Really, the Spy Jinx. Like, <laughs> how the hell does that not happen? I is it just know. Fortnite has consumed everything, and so why Probably, spend yeah. money on anything else? Screw you, J.J. He's busy. Yeah. They're busy, so. That's right. Uh, doesn't he have games of Valve that he never... Do yeah. anything with. Hey, JJ. Get on the ball, man. Get off your ass. <laughs> What's Juice, going on? Release something. Yeah. Did you see him on Colbert, by the way? I don't know uh, how I no. feel about this, because one of my favorite bits in the build-up to Force Awakens was J.J. Abrams was on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Jimmy Kimmel asked him the very smart question. It's so specific, but I genuinely love it, because they're so tight-lipped they can't say anything. But he asked J.J. Abrams what the first word of Force Awakens was. Hmm. And J.J. Abrams was like, yeah, I guess I can reveal it. It's this. And like a huge banner, like like confetti for the word this. Yeah. And then Colbert did the exact same thing, but he like cited Jimmy Kimmel, which was weird. But he's like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel did this for Force Awakens. What would I ask you for Rise of the Skywalker? What's the first word of Rise of the Skywalker? And he said, at. Isn't that interesting? Capital T? And capital. Yeah. So I think it's at, at, coming this way <laughs> is the first line. Uh, uh, that's weird. Yeah. That's where they just ripped off the gag. and Yeah, I wonder if he asked Jimmy Kimmel about Maybe it. Maybe J.J. Abrams wanted to do it? Maybe, but Kimmel is certainly going to get an interview for Rise of the Skywalker, so why? Rise of the Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker, is that what it's called? Rise of, Sky- the Sky- Rise of Skywalker. Skies of Arcadia? Yeah, that's right. By the way, I also saw somebody on Twitter. This is, again, probably super obvious, but they're like, hey, this is probably referring to Anakin, right? I think we all expect it to be like just the Skywalker name or Luke, but... It's probably, if it's about, they're trying to wrap up the entire saga, it's... It's about the family, right? That's how I took it. But what it. if it's more directly about <gasps> what Anakin? If baby Yoda comes back and he's an Anakin? Oh. He's a Skywalker. That's very smart, very smart. Read my 10-hour theory video about why this <laughs> is true. Read my 10-hour theory video? Yeah. Or watch it. I'll have a transcript. That's fine. <laughs> uh, my answer was Alpha Protocol for a game that oh. I wanted to see. Oh. And now Obsidian can do no wrong. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Neil Brown says, hey, Max Miners, who are some YouTubers <laughs> that you guys watch pretty often? You mentioned Dunky a week or two ago. Is there anyone else you enjoy? I like digital gaming. Let me just check on those guys. Yeah, it's always flattering when they pull a lot 
from Game Informer. Sometimes cited, sometimes not. But yeah, I like, oh, wish they would cite more. Yeah, but, yeah. But they do good work for sure. Yeah, it's always like a little. When I have gone on those cover story trips and I know what they're pulling from, it's always like, well, kinda like for some of their facts, and then yeah. it makes me question everything else that they do. But still, like they're so consistent. Yeah, yeah, you got to give it up. Uh, I like watching, and this, maybe, I don't know if this is, like, YouTuber territory, but I, I like watching a lot of Digital Foundries videos. Oh, they're uh, so good. Just because, yeah. like, a, a lot, it's hard to, like, they're one of those people where, you know, what Emily Reese might be to, to game music, they're kind of into, in terms of tech, of, like, here's why, the, you know, the, this version of this game looks better, or here's how well it runs, or here's kind of, like, a, a deep dive into, you know, what you're seeing in Link's Awakening when the frame rate slows down and kind of a lot of stuff that you've missed. I like, I know that, you know, a lot of video game writing is kind of moving away from like, oh, well, don't talk about it as like a tech product, but I like that there is a subsection that discusses like, here are how this game, here's how this game runs, here's how the different versions compare. And I, I like those as like a different kind of like, you know, critique or like evaluation of a game yeah. that I, I feel is like very different from what we see a lot. Now. And then the fact that it can just become synonymous with that one thing, I think that's so incredibly incredible even just like for the name digital foundry it's such a blah name in some ways but it's just like it's just people use it like kleenex in a way right like oh i gotta pull some di digital foundry thing and, mm -hmm. and check out the tech behind this new game mm -hmm. like it's yeah. just they're so good at that yeah, and they're so much there's like they are so much more thorough than a lot of people who are like well the game yeah. runs kind of hitches on xbox one or something but they'll be like well game xbox one the version of the shadows look like this you know they, it feels like they're running it with these settings on a pc things mm -hmm. like that like here's what the you know the rtx and they'll also do fun stuff like they were talking earlier like this year about how like they suddenly got into the idea of running modern games on like high-end crts and mm. how they oh, say yeah. like oh, this, oh yeah the, uh, like the, the lag on these is actually way lower and it looks better control like, looks cool on yeah, a CRT on yeah. a CRT it's just like you have to the idea like, like oh yeah like flat screens are great but if you can put up with the fact that this, this TV is enormous I think you know a lot of the late era CRTs are actually better than a lot of modern TVs are now that's awesome are we I gonna, also love a, oh good I was just gonna say are we gonna loop back to CRT at some point is that gonna mm. like is that gonna be like the new I, vinyl like the vinyl movement yeah. is gonna be like getting a new CRT a I mean widescreen the Smash CRT. Brothers community is already there where they're like they're Obsessed with finding We're ahead new of CRTs. the curve. Yeah, we got oh. Smash Brothers playing on a CRT yeah, behind us. Watching the baby video version. Yeah, I mean, I've had that TV since 2003. I love that thing. I'll never let it go. I promise. Um, but I also love Game Explained, just in terms of like oh, yeah. in depth, yeah, yeah. very focused thing. Like if you need a breakdown of a Nintendo trailer that's out, they're amazing. They're so good. Uh, all of mine are non video game related, mm -hmm. but I watch a lot of board game ones, and then I've also started watching a lot of woodworking videos which are surprisingly just fascinating yeah how's the yeah. production uh it varies like there are some there are some where the production is really well but i they're just not as interesting like mm -hmm. i think i think they're the best ones come from lifelong woodworking carpenter people who just happen? Who have decided? Hey, I'm gonna make videos about this too yeah. because they're super knowledgeable and. It's nice for them though that visually it's so interesting. You get some mm -hmm. good wood filings. Who doesn't love a big old screw <laughs> going through wood in slow yeah, motion or, the or something? Wood turning when they like turn bowls and stuff on oh, a lathe. Oh man, it's that's good. It's yeah. mesmerizing. <laughs> I also admit that it's sort of like like candy more than anything else but it, I like watching those videos that I see on Facebook of like we're going to make all these little food things oh, like these yeah, food hacks or whatever like, yeah. I never watched them with the sound on so I never like inter I, I never internalized any of the recipes I was like oh that's a nice way to make chili or whatever yeah. but I like just the, the process of like we're going to make this weirdo sandwich and like here's like this overhead thing of like we're going to put a bunch of crap in a bowl and we're going to mix it up real fast and it's yeah. like we're going to swap it out like I, those videos are always so like immaculately produced that I can't mm -hmm. help but watch those, them all mm -hmm. the time like I've gotten way more into cooking 
in the last like two or three years directly because of those videos. Yeah. Like I I, I love those. Like, Have you bought any of those like cookbooks because they'll be like, oh yeah, um, you see a bunch of like a billion other recipes here in this I've website or them. book. Or I've considered. Yeah. Like, most, mm. I've definitely made a bunch of those things like watching okay. those videos for sure. Hmm. Uh, Lucas Ramey says, what are your thoughts on how negative other explosive outlets are on games and the industry? It's like they enjoy dropping a big IED on anything that might be remotely popular. Is there a valid place for these types of inquisitions that tend to think of themselves as the sterling silver of the industry, or do they only help to bring the industry as a whole down? I love your guys' positivity. There's something to this. I think it's an interesting question without pointing any fingers directly. No, yeah. I'm thinking of one. But there is just like, (laughs) if I had to go out on a limb here, I think there are certain outlets in general and people add outlets, and it's like, I they're all good people, no doubt, but I think some people are a little bit more sick of games. And as we talked about in episode zero, just they can be a little bit jaded about the situation they're in. And they almost become a little bit resentful towards, to be fair, a lot of horrific comments on the internet. You know, it's just like at a certain point you begin to associate gaming with like, ugh, I just have to read so many mm-hmm. jackasses getting angry with me online. I don't know how to not connect that to my hobby, therefore... I need to put down my hobby in some way. Mm. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. And I think, like it or not, because of the tone of the internet, cynicism sells. Yeah. You know, like cynicism, and especially if you're mostly working on YouTube and you have the problem of the almighty algorithm that mm-hmm. is paying your bills, essentially, the way that you get clicks is probably by being angry and yelling about stuff and criticizing stuff. Because yeah. I think there... I was reading a book on kind of board game design again, uh, but he, he was talking <laughs> about they've done studies that show that negative criticism, we, like we weigh negative criticism more heavily in our own preferences than we do positive ones. Like yeah, you, you can so. You can look at user reviews for a random product and like it can have a thousand four star positive reviews and then like... 10 negative ones and we kind of seek out what are those negative ones mm-hmm. and then that affects us and thinks oh that's a bad product because right. this one per you know the 0.001% of people said that this is a bad thing i think we we kind of tend to think that the negative people are being more honest okay but i think there's a difference here i think what lucas is getting at is outlets that mm-hmm. seem to look down on games or are cynical towards games in general and i separate that from the YouTuber who's just negative and said everything is corrupt and everything sucks and Andromeda is uh, the biggest disaster since the Holocaust, right? Which are you talking more of here? I guess I don't see the distinction as much there. Hmm. Are you saying, like, are we talking the difference between being very critical and being kind of jaded? I think so. I think, there, yeah, I, I separate into two camps. I consider okay. it the jaded camp and then the just idiot on Sensationalist, it's kind of like... I guess so. I, I, the, the kernel of truth is there, like, Mass Effect Andromeda is not a, like, why people game. game. But, you know, the, the level of, like, in order for me to get all the clicks, I yes. need to have this very clear outline, like, Mass Effect Andromeda killed my wife, or whatever. Right, then, and, right. and so, like, you have to amp that up, and I think there yeah. is a difference. I think where where I kind of maybe veer away is that I think a lot of it is also fueled, like, what Fava said about, like, we weigh that, that negative criticism a little bit more heavily, is I think we tend to see a lot of... 
I want to love something or I want to hate it, right? Mm-hmm. So like if if I see like, oh, I'm really liking Star Wars, for example, and you see someone like completely like crap on it, you look at it and say like, well, now, you know, this thing that I like is tainted to, to some effect. And so I think it's very easy to see that as like, oh, I don't know, like, may, like don't taint this for me. Like I want to just enjoy the thing that I like. Um, but I, like, I guess for me, I always come of it of uh, I want to hear what people have to say, even if it's. You know, contrary to what what I like, because you know, I read most of the reviews for like Travis, uh, uh, No More Heroes, uh, Travis Strikes. I think Travis Travis Strikes Again. I think is, is the name because that because there's like another game in there called Travis Strikes Back. So I'm yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a game that I liked a lot more than most people. And most people like you read those criticisms, and turns out when you like when you read a review of it, it's like they're addressing the same points that I did. They just kind of have a very different reaction to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I, I like reading that stuff. And even if I see someone like this game was complete garbage, I don't know how anyone could like it. I guess I've sort of, sort of like as a critic, I've learned to internalize that without saying like, oh, well, now this thing that I like is broken or like it's I can't enjoy it as much as I used to be able to. Yeah. Um, so I think so I do to some degree appreciate the like be someone who has a different take than me being negative about something. Yeah. But I think there are times when you, I think the dismissal, I think is kind of one of those things where you, it, I think the, the, when it irks me is that when it feels like they're not making their arguments in good faith, where it's kind of like, I was ready to dismiss this. I am going to dismiss this. I don't like it. I've never liked it. So I'm going to continue, you know, I came into this with these expectations and I've ignored the contrary evidence to that. That, that is like, and that happens way more rarely than someone not liking a game for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tim Laro has a related question. Have you noticed that every comment on every IGN review is either wrongly interpreting the score summary or criticizing the author? How does a sweetheart like Kyle deal with this injustice? I don't read the comments. You really don't? I really don't. For anything? I see you on YouTube. Really rarely. It depends. If it's something that, like, if it's, yeah, I, 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 I do read YouTube comments, but, like, comments on reviews, I, I don't read. Just because you know there's nothing too interesting in there? Yeah, and I just, like, I don't want to get my feelings hurt. Mm. And because I do, like, I even got to a point, I, the one Skyrim VR which is, like, the review that I got, like, the most negativity on. Mm -hmm. I got, like, so many emails about that. I got good at seeing the header or, like, the first line or two of an email. You son of a... And if it was, like, yeah, honestly, if it was like that, it was just delete. Mm. And, like, and so, like, I do... Maybe it's... Maybe I'm closing myself off. Maybe it's not the best way to approach it. But, like, like... I made like Shenmue, for example. I yeah. like that. That was a low score. What'd you give it on IGN? A five point nine. Jesus. And like, I know that there's, there's a lot of fans out there, and like, I know that people are going to be frustrated by that score. So like, certainly, right when I published it, I didn't look at those comments. In a week or two, I might go back and peruse some of them. Mm-hmm. But like, I just I. Yeah, I, like it's that thing of like you can see a thousand nice comments, but when you see that one negative comment, you're just gonna linger on that. So yeah. I just like try to avoid that. But then, but like YouTube, like I don't know, I, it's like different because we're just like having a conversation and like, and uh, it helps I, to that MinMax community is so effing nice. Min- <laughs> yeah, but also it's like it's not all on me. Like the review comments are generally like specifically directed at me, where like YouTube comments for something like this is like kind of if even if they're negative. Like it's uh, for all four of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like a little different. We all I guess. suck. Yeah, yeah. But what if they all directly said, "You're a poser. You don't know Jurassic Park at all. Why didn't you understand that Lex <laughs> was hacking using the controlling computer?" It sucks. It's not great, right? It really hurts. It does. Uh, Pixelated Sausage says, "I've been watching random old episodes of the Gameformer show, and I just so happened to listen to one where you and Tim Turry interviewed Greg Miller about leaving IGN." 
Now that you've pulled a Greg Miller, hey, not yet. How? Uh, how long until Greg interviews you about leaving Game Informer to start MinMax? Also, did you ever consider calling this new venture definitely funny? I did not. Mm, I did not. That would be funny. Um, that would yeah. be funny. Greg has been uh, really sweet. I don't know him that well, um, but we texted a little bit, like right when I announced MinMax overall and stuff, and he was very sweet. Um, I don't know if he does many remote things. I don't know. I mean, you'd probably be over in. I assume, San yeah, I would love this thing by future. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a big fan. I mean, even for, I don't know what our plans are for, like, GDCs. Like, there, yeah. there, there are enough events going on yeah. in gaming. Right, right. but Imran Khan is doing stuff over at Kind of Funny, and uh, I've been having a hell of a time just getting the tech working behind doing Skype interviews and stuff, um, but I have a cable coming on Friday, and so... Why do you look at them? your watch like it's the date? <laughs> also, he's not wearing a watch. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways, I can't believe you don't know things about watches. What is wrong with you? God. You made that video about watches, yes. and it's like you don't know uh, anything And we just about had that big conversation about Watchmen, and you're like, I really like this show. Mm-hmm. Do you even like it? The point is, I'd love to Skype in Imran at some point in the future yeah. once we get that tech ironed <laughs> and, out. And for what it's worth, I, when I met Greg, he, he was a wonderful, like, nice guy. Like, he, he had nothing yeah. but, but There's good things. There are certain people yeah. where it's like, I admire that guy's hustle so much and I remember that interview on the Game Informer show talking about it but it is I mean you gotta tip your cap like For I sure. understand some people watching and be like oh god the Greg Miller presentation on YouTube I got it I got that style I'm so sick of it same time like that guy hustles and he has earned that success it's it's bonkers plus he retweeted the announcement of MinMax so I'm forever <laughs> in his debt um, Joey Markham says hey MinMax dudes so Hanson keeps saying that Pokemon in-game cries should be voice acted like the anime this literally got me to subscribe to your Patreon so I could ask Duh! you. There we go. Uh, you know nearly every Pokemon has a different name depending on the language it's translated into, right? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I always forget that. Uh, the legendary is universal. Isn't that a fun detail? Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it much easier. <laughs> There's at least two of them. I think this is because Pokemon, a lot in Pokemon, a lot of Pokemon names are pretty much based on puns, and a lot of the time that kind of wordplay doesn't translate very well. Yeah, the Game Freak, they told us a story about... Some Pokemon in Spanish sounded like the word garbage. Or, anyways, and this is a waste of time. Anyways, this gave me an idea for a, Anyway, yeah. this game gave this gave me an idea for a game to prove that it's a dumb idea to record a dozen different cries for a thousand different Pokemon. <laughs> I argue that's not true. The game is pretty simple. I'll give you the foreign name of a Pokemon and the language of that name. Okay. You will need to guess what the English name of that Pokemon is. All right. The Pokemon I've chosen for this game are all from the beginning-ish of Sword Shield or from Gen 1. Do you want to stick just to Gen 1? Yeah, yeah I'm not going to know Sword and Shield ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In Japanese, I also, I don't understand. I'm very stupid when it comes to language. I don't know how this works. Do you understand this, Jeff? Because it's not like katakana when it's just an, all right, this is what the name is in Japanese, but it's a name spelled in English. How does that work? Yeah, it's... You can, tr- like, katakana translates directly into letters that we have in English. Okay. So, okay. So, Japanese, the name is Lizardon. Uh, is that uh, Charmander? Incorrect. Da. Da. Is it the other Gen 1 lizard Pokemon? <laughs> is it? Is it the one? Well, because the problem is I don't know, like, a lot of the later Gen Pokemon Well, this names. is all Gen 1. Oh, this is all Gen right. 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this, so you're giving us the Japanese so name. Dratini? Charmeleon? Charizard. Oh, okay. I feel like up. you can like give that to me. <laughs> all right, right, all right. Ooh, this is very good. All right, I'm I'm skipping it. This isn't Gen One. This is Sword and Shield. Uh, okay, it is in French. The Pokemon is Momotan. Mumutan. Okay. Moao. Mui. Moao. How's it spelled? 
M O U M O U T O N in French. Mau Mau. Um, yeah. I mean, I assume it's the cow Pokemon whose name I can't remember, but is that's not Gen the, 1, and that's it, not Sword and Shield. This is Sword and Shield. Is, is it, it Meowzerker? Uh, oh, Perzerker, sorry. Think uh, about that repeated sound. Hmm. Wooloo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Wooloo. Wooloo, okay. Oh, All my right. God. Okay, Japanese name. This is, this is Sword and Shield as well, but I think it's from an earlier generation. In fact, I know it is. Jigazugamu. Jiguzaguma. Is it Jigglypuff? <laughs> nope. Zigzagoon. Right. Uh, let's see. And then Japanese Koi King. Magikarp. There we go. We got one, baby. Way to go. Uh, Mike Spam says, Did you guys see the Halo stickers for Counter Strike Go? The With Master Chief Collection coming to Steam. Mm. They released Halo stickers that you can get in Counter Strike ah. Go. Isn't that weird? Mm. I mean, it's, it's cool. They did a thing with Dota a while ago where if you pre-ordered the um, the Steam version of Okami, you got uh, Amaterasu as a courier in Dota, and that's oh, the one I still oh, use. That's it's so very fun. Good. Hey, yeah. speaking of which, Zane Dukas writes in and says, "Hello, friends. Uh, hello. What does Serial think about the new Dota 2 patch? I'm really interested in the new changes to the courier and observer." Wards. Uh, there's a ton of that in that patch. It's like the I think this is probably the biggest patch they've done since like the huge 7.0 update. Yeah, they did a couple years ago, because um, they they totally just like they're they've they've gotten in the habit of introducing things that as the game goes as a match goes on they just want everything to just completely fall apart and break in these really ridiculous ways. So now like heroes used to not be able to level up. I think. Um, you used to it like the old limit was like 25 and now it's 30 so now you used to be able to select these talent trees but now at 30 you just get everything like so it, there are all these game breaking abilities that once you get to 30 it's just like your character is just ungodly like incredibly powerful and now they have these uh, the biggest kind of changes you have these random items that can drop from neutrals which is just like you just kill you just kill enemies and normally you build you have to buy items but now they can just drop randomly and there's like a whole set of different items that drop from those characters from neutrals ex- exclusively. Is that like a Smash Brothers-y kind of? It's, well, it's like it's it's not like they're suddenly you you're walking around and here's a new item. It's more like uh, there's a chance that uh, they will drop from killing enemies out in the wild, oh, okay. basically. So you can it's not something you can really plan for. So you so when it comes to item builds, you're kind of it introduces this element of improv of like okay because those items can be shared between teammates. So it's like okay we got this item that gives you a critical hit every eight seconds. Who on our team is best equipped? Like, what's the hero on our team who can best utilize that? And so, like, you're kind of uh, changing your build on the fly depending on what items you're getting. And so now there's also, like, capturing outposts. in uh, Like, there's two outposts that give you extra experience uh, every five minutes. They have all these, like, game-breaking things now that that feel balanced because they're introduced very late in the game where because at some point you just want the game to end. Um, so all that stuff is like really crazy and you know a lot of heroes changed so like it, it's really crazy it's like the, one of my favorite times to play Dota is when no one knows what they're doing and everyone's like oh here's this character that has been played as a carry I'm gonna do support life stealer cause why not and everyone kind of gets mad at that person but it kind of works sometimes maybe hmm. um, so uh, these these are like my favorite times of the year cause uh, it feels like everyone is kind of reset to their basis of like let's just figure something out who cares how how does the overall community react to that because it seems like such a hardcore community Mm -hmm. that coming in and completely changing everything does that 
It, Does it, the community complain about that? I or think they're they usually they. I mean, uh, Valve has established a cadence where they release maybe one or two major patches a year. So it, so before this, people were starving for like something new. Okay. So like they've because those things are so game changing, it feels like oh, Dota feels fresh again. Like okay. it's I'm not playing the same game that I was you know, and because the hero balance changes, you're not seeing the same heroes again. So everyone right now is pretty excited, but you know, and within a month or so, people will be like, well, this is the clearly the best thing. I'm so tired of it now. Yeah. But the bigger the patch isn't the longer that takes to happen so cool very excited yeah there we go edward bailey says all credit goes for this question goes to game informer's own kimberly wallace mm. k star 1985 on twitter so it is um she asked on twitter what the best use of a song in a video game trailer is i'd love to hear everyone's mm. thoughts on noteworthy trailer music the ones that jumped to my head were mad world for gears and white rabbit for lost odyssey i don't remember that one mm. Um, in a trailer specifically. Yeah. Hmm. I, there's, if you go back, commercial, like, I remember it blowing my mind, the Smash Brothers commercial. That's oh, in the background here, yeah, and Happy yeah. Together from yeah, the Turtles. that's good. But in recent memory, and also it reminded me we should do a, let's take another look at this, is uh, GTA V's trailers were amazing. Mm. Just the editing in those are mind-blowing, and specifically the Radio Gaga trailer from queen like go back and watch that trailer it is so amazingly put together for the timing of that song with like quotes from the game itself oh it's amazing yeah man it's you know what's super fun about rockstar trailers is like you watch at least i watch them over and over and you start to learn those lines yeah. And then when they come up in the game it's always so like oh yeah i remember right, that right you know? like in that one i've seen it so many times like when oh, the therapist says, like, I think you have an anger problem. You know, yeah. he goes, I don't know if that's true, Doc. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, it's just, oh, and then you hear it in the game, it's like, yeah, he said the trailer line. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> what was Arthur's where he talks about, oh, God, in Red Dead Redemption 2, where he's, like, talking about the, uh, I've seen your name in our ledger, like that, you know, that mm. line? That was what was good. that? It was, like, Spanish. <laughs> I was trying to do Arthur. It did not go well. No, it goes, like, uh. I've seen your name in our ledger. <laughs> oh, that was Marston. I'm sorry. We little go on your podcast. Oh, wait. Oh, now we're Sling Blade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Corey has a great question. With Thanksgiving coming up today, it's today. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, Marston's here, everybody. Marston Christmas. Marston. I thought it. Oh, hell. Welcome to our new video series, <laughs> vaguely kind of role-playing Red Dead. Uh, I thought I'd sure. throw you a food-centric. <laughs> I thought I'd throw you a food-centric game. Simple formula: go through the list of edible things in these games one by one for each title. Whoever identifies the game first wins. Okay. So it's getting more and more specific. Obviously, mm-hmm. the game goes on. Mm-hmm. All right. This is for game series. Ready? Not looking. Yep. Bread. <laughs> Castlevania. Gristle Apple. Rat Skewer. Rat Skewer. Tin of Brined Hagfish. Is that like a Fallout, maybe? Mm-mm. No. Hagfish. Sarconin Blood Sausage. Skyrim? Nope. Fable? Tin of Pratchett Jellied Eels. Bioshock? Nope. Mm. Tin of potted debavka, sorry, debakva whale meat. 
Dishonored. There we go. Dishonored. Uh, I don't think anybody would get that next one. Um, that one, not so much. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> banana. Donkey Kong Country. Butter. Is this how you want us to play? Is this a guess yeah, for every? Yeah, okay. Grilled chicken sandwich. The Breath of the Wild. Oh, wait, hold on. Grilled chicken awesome. milk, grilled cheese. And... Raw meat. Breath of the Wild again. Honeycomb. S- still Breath of the Wild. Cadwini <laughs> mm. Stout. Mm. Uh, Witcher. There we go. Hey. Way to go, mm. Kyle. Very good. Witcher. <laughs> uh, baked apple. It's Breath of the Wild. Correct. Hey, there yeah. you go, Kyle. I knew it would work eventually. The last one was dubious. Was, I want to hear what the list was. Uh, baked apple, seared okay. steak, carrot yeah. stew, big uh-huh. hearty radish, yeah. sun shroom, mighty porgy, dubious food. A big hearty radish would have been. That would have yeah. done it. Mm. Salad. <laughs> Sashimi. Uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. Pale broth. Uh, Monster Hunter World. Pink cake. Miner's treat. Pokemon? Farmer's lunch. Stardew Valley. There we go. Mm. I haven't even played that game. You guys need to step up. Here we go. Burger. Br- uh, breakdown. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> Streets of Rage. Onion soup. Yakuza. Tomato soup. Yakuza 2. Mushroom soup. Final Fantasy 15. Fish and chips. The getaway. Pokemon Sword and Shield. Salad for, quote, the ever peckish, a.k.a. the beast. (laughs) What? Salad for the beast. Is this a Monster Hunter thing? Think about these. What's notable about a burger? Other than it's mushy. Uh, It's mushy, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mint snacks. <laughs> what's what's like uh, you know? Let's talk about burgers. When you're talking about burger, what's the first thing you talk about? Meat breakdown. Well, oh, what's this? The game breakdown. No, not the game breakdown. Oh. But you're close to where I was going with it. The ingredients. There we go. Are you you break down the ingredients. Cooking mama. No, but close. Pizza. <laughs> different soups. All these things have different separate pieces that argue that you have to uh, compile. What was that game? Hopefully what with was your that buddies. game that you were Right, right. Overcooked. The co- there we go. Oh. Do you overcook? Way to go. Way to go. What was the Koji Kondo? Not Koji Kondo. Uh, Koji Garashi game. The Castlevania that you came out Bloodstained? this year. Bloodstained? Bloodstained. Yeah, because you mix a lot. You make pizza mm. in that game. Yeah. Anna Zhang says, hello, Minimaxers. Someone said on last week's show that they still like the idea of owning their games but buying physical copies. And it got me thinking about a thing that happened a couple months ago. Destiny 2 New Light dropped, and I realized that my disc copy of Destiny 2 is now nothing more than a useless piece of plastic that I can't even resell. Now, this might be the norm for games as a service, but a lot of major AAA single-player games still require a hefty download or patch to be playable at all. So if those patch servers go offline, wouldn't that make the disc useless as well? Are we just fooling ourselves here thinking that buying the physical copies of games make you more of a quote-unquote owner of said game than getting the digital copy? I think it depends on the game. You know, like online services for sure, but I think if you buy like a copy of like Indivisible, I think you're pretty good to go on that one unless, you know, they immediately delist it. But Mm -hmm. even then, it's like I think think you're pretty set. But still kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it 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 is an illusion for sure. It also depends on... What state the game was in when mm-hmm. it came out? Like it's it's hard to say. It's that's a hard question to answer. Of like, if I put this into a box now and started playing it, was the launch version of it decent? 
or were there game breaking bugs that mm-hmm. they had to patch? Was there a day one patch to it? For like, sure. It's just crazy. Everything that's going to be lost. Yeah. And it's crazy to just realize when you have an offline console, how many games require it that you wouldn't even think of it. Like, you know, yeah. for setting up the studio here at MinMax, I have like an Xbox One uh, in here and just was trying to boot up Perfect Dark to test like the audio. This is the remake of Perfect Dark, you know, um, just to like test out audio sync and stuff. And it's like, I could not boot up that game without being on the internet mm. so that I could sign in. It's like, what? Really? Perfect dark? This is <laughs> stupid. I mean, you will always be more of an owner with a physical copy, though, right? I mean, just like, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, like, was it Ouya? Well, I mean, every Ouya game that you own now is gone, right? Yeah. Like, Battleborn, they're taking the servers off. It's yeah. amazing they gave a heads up, but 2021, yeah. Jeff, you went on that cover story. Remember that? Remember how excited they were for that? Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, you will not be able to play that game in any way. Who's mm-hmm. that? Uh, Aaron, Aaron Lindy, Lindy, the writer, yeah, yeah, was tweeting about it. And under, like, as much as we all make fun of Battleborn for not being the hit Gearbox wanted it to be, like, I totally sympathize with him because he's like, this was my life for a number of years. And when that game becomes unplayable, like, that what it, does it even exist anymore? And he brought up, point, he had so much know? specific dialogue for specific situations that, like, yeah. even a YouTube capture couldn't get the essence of it and yeah. yeah it's just gone it's real and sad thankfully it'll, it'll live on in Ready Player One as weirdly being overrepresented in the background of that movie <laughs> yeah wait so that wasn't I guess that's not reality anymore because the future is not yeah, playable yeah. Mm-hmm. well um, maybe they bring it back you know like 10 oh. years from now yeah. Resurgence of Battleborn yeah, yeah. We'll Battleborn Reloaded that's right um, Battleborn again <laughs> Ryan W. says, random and weird, but specific question. Perfect. Could you please put the title of the podcast first in the description? My Apple Podcast app always lists your general description, then shows the show name at the end. Sometimes the title gets cut off. I'd love to see the MinMax show or Max Spoilers, then the general info after. That's a great suggestion. Um, I, I flipped it from how I did it at Game Informer. Sorry, this is nerdy, but uh, I'm sorry, dorky. Um, just because geeky. like YouTube in particular is like our best bet for reaching a new audience and stuff. And so I'm trying to get the media's thing first, just, you know, for that off chance they lose interest halfway through reading the title. But you're right for the audio versions. There's no reason not to make it the old school way. So I will. Sure. they don't have to be uniform. So I'll, I'll reverse it for audio moving forward. Thank you for the suggestion, Brian. We work for you and our other Patreon supporters. All right. Last one. Ready? Two ends. Daniel White says, hey, Min Men. Min Men? Mm-hmm. Like Minute Men even? Not bad. Um, I have a game for you. Three games this Uh week. We love games. games. It's a copy of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Can you match the following final Smash moves in Smash Brothers with their corresponding fighters? I will see myself out. (laughs) Each final Smash. By the way, Kyle, you randomly chose Smash Brothers on the TV today. This is a coincidence. Um, Apparently, they have an official name for these Smash moves. Yeah. You ready? This is from Smash Ultimate. Okay. So we named the character. Yes. Okay. End of day. Animal Crossing guy. No, yeah, but that's actually close. Not that, yeah, it's a Nintendo character. Uh, duck Hunt. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Think about a game where end of the day is a big deal. Child Link. Interesting. No. No. Dang. End of day. Yoga Lady. Uh, imagine oh. I'm blowing a whistle. Nope. Yoga Lady is actually pretty good. Uh, Warrior. There we go, Olimar. Oh, end of day. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. Dream home. Dream. A uh, Wii Fit trainer. Home. No. <laughs> no uh, uh, Animal Crossing Village. There we go. Dream home. <laughs> uh, oh, this is everyone's favorite. Black hole laser. Uh, um, Captain Falcon. Bayonetta. No. 
Uh, Zero Suit Samus? No. Samus? No. Dark, Dark Samus? Samus. <laughs> uh, she's a goddess. Oh, Palutena. There we go. Um, killer Whale. W-A-I-L. Killer Whale? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sonic? No. It's <laughs> That's actually that's yeah that's such that's a good. clever guess. Uh, so it's someone who's is it a Wario? Someone who screams, right? Or yeah, they don't. They might like screaming. Bayonetta through their headphones mm-hmm. in the music they listen to. Oh, uh, uh, so sp- squid, squid, squid leg, sp- splatoon, squid ink, inkling, sorry, inkling. I not give it to you. <laughs> Again, you got to give it up to Nintendo for a thousand different reasons, but. The name Inkling is so good. Yes. Oh, it's good. They're smart. Um, Max. Oh, this person says Min Max, but Max Malicious Moonsault. Um, Lucario. Close. All right. So Pokemon. Max Malicious Moonsault. Um, Incineroar. There we go. Hey. Last one. Stampede. Stampede. Oh man, I'm gonna. I can visualize it. Right. What is the character? <laughs> that should be apparent if you can actually visualize yeah, well, I mean, it. I think you're like, lying to everybody yeah. about what's in your brain right now. Yeah. Oh, wait. I can visualize it, too. Um, <laughs> uh, just like, I know it's but, like a herd of animals that come, like rips through the stage, right? Does that not happen? Yes. Help mm. me, Serial. Animals. Animal Crossing? <laughs> it's all the villagers. It's a character that's in the first Smash. Is it uh, Captain Yoshi, Falcon? It? It's Yoshi. Oh, Yoshi, there we go. See, Isn't Yoshi's Final Smash the one where he turns into a dragon, or is that just in Brawl? It might be just it's in Where brawl. he has the wings? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's an earlier one. Yeah. Okay. Daniel White, thank you for can writing you, in with that one. Can you real quick look lovely. up the Castlevania Final Smash? I don't know how quickly you can look that up, because that one has a crazy name. It's like Death of something, Knight or Coffin or something. Grand, oh, Grand Cross? Cross? Okay, that's not that interesting. <laughs> I thought it had Death or Coffin in it Maybe or something. Maybe Richter's is different. Hey, everybody. You ready for get a load of this? Get a load of this. Is this how we do this? Mm-hmm. If you're watching, if you're just listening, Hanson's mm-hmm. making a weird hand motion. Cyril Vasquez, what should we get a load uh, of this week? What's uh, something that caught your eye and you can't let go of? Uh, well, this is maybe a little bit different, but uh, in keeping in in line with the the theme of music. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm gonna very quickly give my top three albums of the year. Uh, from okay. general music. Please. If you want if you want me to do a regular one, I have one. Hey man, you do you. Up. Okay, so uh, my number one would be Igor by Tyler the Creator. Uh, my number two would be uh, Peacocks and Other Strange Animals by Tanisha the Wordsmith. It's like this really trippy well, like it's it's weird because uh, she's a poet. She's not like an artist. But I, I don't know if poets she, aren't artists. Well, no, like she's she's not like a recording artist, <laughs> sure. right? Like she's not like a, she's not gotcha. I I think a traditional like you know, uh, music artist, let's say, but she does a lot of it's it's like spoken poetry over these like beats, and I, I, like it works like surprisingly well. Uh, it's a, it's pretty it's a pretty short album, but it like it is tremendous. And then, uh, uh, I, I, let me look up the artist's name, but the al- the name of the album is Legacy Legacy, and I think it's like Camila or Jamila Woods. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, Jamila Woods, Legacy, Legacy. Mm. It's there we a go. Very, it feels very like mid '90s, kind of like very a lot of like weird snap drums and stuff like that. So it's very good. Uh, those cool. are my three albums of the year. You also tweeted about uh, 
Lana Del Rey's cover of Doom yeah, Time. Lana Del Rey's, yeah, that's that, like one of my favorite songs this year. That yeah, song's so that, good. That song, that, yeah, that song yeah. is fantastic. Love it. Unfortunately, you didn't say the tagline for this, so you're disqualified. Uh, well, he said it for me. No, <laughs> you can't. No, you can no longer get, get a load, a load of, of this. Uh, this one, we're going back to traditional tweets by a certain Joe Juba. <laughs> oh, Game Informer's Joe Juba? Stuff. Yes. Joseph Jubas. He, he had a super long Twitter rant, which is so Joe Juba. Yeah. Uh, he said, hey, I'm going to vent about something. Uh-oh. It's always good when you announce it as mm-hmm. you're starting it. Here I go. Don't get me started. I often see people online asking variations of the question, what is one thing that many people like but you dislike? Right. I hate this question. Under the guise of discerning assessment, it just invites people to rain on other people's parades. Also, it tells you nothing interesting about a person. It's negative space. It's subtraction. Uh, Have you ever listened to someone talk about something they are both passionate and knowledgeable about? It's entrancing. That's how you get an interesting discussion. Ask about what people love and why. That provides insight. Asking why they don't like things is boring. So here's where I dislike Joe Juba. Yeah, yeah he's a you. real. A jerk. lot of people like Joe Juba, yeah. but mm-hmm. Fava's not you know, a fan. He started it saying that he hates this question. Yeah, but it was still an interesting conversation. No, mm. actually, I I think it's a great point, and I think it kind of talks about what we're doing here, right? It gets back to so. that idea of optimism over. Hey, what else can we complain about? Mm-hmm. Which I appreciate. Yeah, I think the reason people like that is, and I get it. I think. Being on the internet and listening to podcasts, it's a sea of personalities, a sea of voices, and it's it's tough to figure out, like, ah, this person is this, or, like, this is the little spark that makes me connect to this person, and you can do that through positivity, but I think it's also an interesting way to do it through saying, Through I, the dark side. Through the dark side, right, yes. is saying, I've never finished Super Metroid. They'd be going to be like, oh, that's that MF that didn't finish <laughs> Super Metroid. And maybe if they even enjoy the content, it's still, like, just some way to mm-hmm. remember, you know? So, Joe, can it. Yeah. <laughs> Enough, Joe, with the yeah. rants. Kyle. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, this was just a funny tweet uh, from at Kibblesmith, Danielle Crossing Smith, and he tweeted, In my day, Frozen 2 would have been released directly to VHS with a new Olaf who sounds weird, and we would have been grateful. <laughs> Which, I had a lot of Frozen fever this week, and I thought that tweet was very funny and very yeah. true. Frozen Fever, like Midnight Sun from Twilight Zone. Um, how is it? Frozen 2? Yeah. It was okay. It was underwhelming. Yeah. Um, but but still, like, you know, Disney does good animated movies, and it's a good animated movie. But uh, A week is probably in a while, though, from their main studio, right? But that's, it's yeah. not Pixar, right? No. No, no. Uh, I think so, yeah. Like, I like I liked Ralph Breaks the Internet more. Mm-hmm. I like Moana a lot more. Oh, yeah. Uh, but still, like, I like those characters. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. Seems like it, it took over the box office. So yeah. Congratulations. The obvious happened. Uh, for me, hey, everybody, get a load of this. Do you know what the character's dead man, uh, Del Toro's character in um, Death, Death Stranding. Stranding, has in common with Higgs from Death Stranding, has in common with... The Game Informer office? Justin Leeper, former Game Informer employee, uh, did the motion performance for Higgs and Guillermo del Toro's character in Death Stranding. Oh, really? Yes. He he finally tweeted this out, that he worked on it. Not only that, also did the, quote, facial, he provided the facial data for BB in the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's so weird. So this is like... You know, not the skin itself, but like the musculature and stuff underneath all these characters was Justin Leeper. And so 
He says he doesn't see it, but if you see a little bit of this Justin Leeper fella, former gamer, former employee, in BB, there's a reason for it. Isn't That's that bizarre? So weird. Yeah, I didn't know. That's I, crazy. Justin was before my time. Yeah, way before I never, my time. Did you overlap him. with the middle of him? No. Okay. I've met him, you know, on multiple occasions. Yeah. Does he look like a baby? Yeah. Oh, okay. He yeah. actually blew a heart at me, and it was for a bubble, <laughs> and it was in the shape of a heart. So. <laughs> How bizarre is that? He's gone around. Yeah, he does so a lot weird. of mocap and stuff, but he's worked That's with cool. Kojima before, I do believe. But yeah, he's finally mm. able to share that. So there we go. Um, hey, get a load of that, everybody. We did, enjoyed we did, it. We did. Um, thanks for listening or watching. We know it's been a long episode, but we appreciate everybody's support uh, this week. Definitely check out uh, MinMax's YouTube channel. Channel We've been posting a lot. Uh, if you're thankful that we released this on Thanksgiving, that we didn't skip this episode, you could show your support by sharing MinMax with a friend uh, or support us on Patreon if you're just watch- which it- listening or watching this. My mouth is falling <laughs> apart at this level, but we appreciate your support. Also, please remember that, yeah, December 9th, which is the Monday... Uh, we're going to have our first big community meetup here in Minneapolis, and we'll try and figure out a way to get other people involved if you aren't in Minneapolis. But if you're in Minnesota, I really want to leave a good impression on Bauhaus, the brewery. So uh, we have the post um, on uh, the Twitter feed and stuff like that on the official Facebook page for MinMax. So check it out, and please join us for that, everybody. Uh, Jeff, you'll be there? Yeah. Kyle, you're on the fence, but— Yeah, my wife's going to be out of town. There we go. So i gotta, I got to— I gotta figure out some babysitting okay. details, but I, I, I would like to be there. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. But a lot of us will be, and I assume some Game Informer folks will be there as well. We'll drag them all out. But hey, thanks everybody. It's been a fun one. Uh, if you like the show, share the show. It's all we ask. All right, be good, have fun. Let's go. Bye. Am I in the video now? Yeah. Sam is um, particularly intrigued by uh, the name of this game developer. Naughty dog. <laughs> Naughty dog. 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 Are you proud of your work accomplishments today, Sam? Naughty dog. <laughs> <laughs>